Good evening and welcome to Alosa Fumar Takes. This is our 252nd take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show. Yeah, we're getting started a little bit late, but who cares? Because we're going to have a lot of fun while we're doing it in the meantime. And we've got a lot of great conversation and great cigar smoking, or not. That'll be the question of the day right ahead of us. But before we get to the introductions of the guest of honor, we do have to thank the person and the people and everyone that makes this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. For the latest and greatest from Drew Estate, check out your Drew Diplomat retailer today. We've got some fantastic stuff going on with amazing releases. I've heard everything about feral flying pigs banging back in stock to League of Provada number nines. People are excited about what's going on with Drew Estate, including... The new Freestyle Live Pack, which was mailed out to uh, to our media partners and have been sent out to retailers recently. So when you check out the new Freestyle Live uh, Pack, you can. Um, and uh, I hear it's pretty awesome. So some pretty cool stuff in the in the entire pack. But check out your Drew Diplomat retailer. They'll have all the details and everything. I love what they're doing at Drew Estate for this. This is really kind of cool with these kind of previews. And you kind of get to sample the cigar before it gets released and before you actually see like the name on it and everything. I think this one, I'll give you guys a little teaser. I know we're not known for teasers here in Scar Coop Coalition, but that's okay. Um, I think this is probably the most telling of all the freestyle lives that they've done with the type of cigar that they're going to be releasing. Call me crazy. I think it's a little telling, but you're going to have to pick one up to figure out what I'm talking about. So anyway, welcome everyone. This is our 252nd take like I said, live from Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. Without further ado, it is my pleasure, my privilege, and of course, my honor as always to welcome in tonight's guest, sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today. Start living United. Mr. Ben Lee of the Smoking Syndicate. Ben, how you doing tonight? Doing amazing. Glad we could be on here and have some fun tonight. Absolutely, man. Thanks for thanks for agreeing to doing this, man. I appreciate you. Um, I'm heading. I'm. Um, this will be the last LOS Fumar takes for a couple of weeks. Um. Uh, I will be uh, heading off to across the pond and uh, spending uh, a couple weeks in uh, in Scotland. So on the, you know, going to be having some going to be having some fun uh, over the next couple weeks. So, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this and uh, giving me uh, giving me my last opportunity to smoke uh, cigars in um, probably non rainy weather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ironically, that was been raining here for like three days. So I was kind of oh, hoping it would, it would stop before we did this because it can be quite loud on this tin roof. <laughs> but all good, all dry, but it's cold here. What's your temperature there? Um, it's actually kind of warm, man. It's a hot day, man. It got up to like it got up to like uh, a little over ninety. So it didn't get out of the fifties here today. Oh yeah, okay, nice. Hence <laughs> right you in the flannel. Hence you in the flannel yeah. shirt and me in my That's shorts right. and t-shirt and sweat kind of protruding through for those who uh, those who want to watch. So uh, um, it's a balmy fifty thirty degrees right now. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, okay. I would have. Yeah, <laughs> I I I feel like I didn't get any of that weather this year. Like I feel like it's been like balls cold or already really really hot in here. Like I didn't get any yeah. of that nice. I didn't get any of that nice. With it's still seventy-one degrees outside, and the the sun's been down for like an hour and a half. Yes, I, I still 
I still miss Texas anyway. I know. But, uh, it misses I do. I do like not having, um, you know, temperatures that don't don't go above ninety degrees. Like last summer here, it did not reach ninety. It didn't get above ninety the whole time I was here. And considering we're almost in June, and you know we had to wear hoodies and jackets today, I think we'll be okay for this summer too. That's so crazy but, to me, man. That's so nuts. I know. Thank it's the mountains, man. It's the mountains. But we're not here to talk about the weather, are we? No, but I mean, it's always a, it's always one of those great pastimes, too. You know, um, fun fact: our good friend Jay Davis actually studied it in Aberdeen back in the day. Apparently, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, how about that? That's pretty cool. And yeah. I'm ancestors are Clay McGregor. Cool. Which so which side of you? Which side were you on? Were you? Were you guys were the McGregors like uh were they loyalists during the, like the uh the first independence back in the 1300s the the William Wallace era Oh dude we any <laughs> anytime anybody did anything against the English the McGregors were there they were the shitsters of the Holland uh, Holland clans by far Nice by far So like there's a famous moment in the movie Braveheart after he kills the magistrate and they kind of take over the fort and it's at yeah. nighttime and they have the, they see a bunch of torches coming running down the road, just a, a ton of people. And they're like, they all get called themselves arms and they're banning the gates and everything. And, you know, all of a sudden this, here comes out of the darkness. It's a, is it was another Holland clan carrying right. torches. They're like, yeah. We don't want you to think Ramadan's thinking you're going to have all the fun. Yeah. Where are you going to fuck up the British? We want in on it. That's literally Clan McGregor. It was so bad after the Jacobite Revolution. It was decreed that the Clan McGregor was enough of an offense to be put to death. Just having the name. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So what the happened, like a lot of the McGregors, they they broke up. And some was actually, like, Clan Camel was... uh, the closest neighbor and mm-hmm. they were kind of like enemies for, see that's really my see that's enemies. my wife's family my really? wife my wife yeah my mother-in-law is a camel that's why uh my my son my, my son's middle name is named after that yeah mm-hmm. that's cool yeah so the camels you know all throughout you know the history of the holland clans the camels were friends and enemies friends and well like most most of the clans were well, when this happened, the camels were like, okay, we're going to hide y'all in our clan. And a lot of people decided to either, either to flee and they went to the colonies. But to get out, to get out of Scotland, they had to change their last name to hide themselves so they could flee. So a lot of people went to India, the West Indies. Mine changed her last name to McGee and fled to America. And that's how we got here, the my Scottish clan. But so McGee- my aunt actually... McGee yes. became Lee at some point. <laughs> no, the the McGee part actually came from my paternal grandmother's family. Oh, got you. Okay. Yeah, so that's nice. how it happened. But my aunt my, was who was my godmother. She was a nerd, history nerd like I was, and she traced our family line for the the McGregor clan all the way back to nine twenty six AD. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. We're we're there's the, there's a couple places we'll hit up. I'll I'll be taking photos and way too many photos and reading way too much. And that's fine because I've, um, 
most people like once they've gone with, to a museum with me for the first time that's usually they're 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 usually good to to, to never go to a museum back with me because like i read everything same yep same yes. here it's ridiculous yeah my sister who works at a museum for a living can't stand going to museums with me because she's like because <laughs> i read everything man i do too it's <laughs> I'm the same way, and it doesn't matter what the topic is either. It it can be on a museum of anything, and I'm still looking at every little thing. I'm in it, you know, and reading it. Listen, if I'm if like it doesn't matter if like the admission's free or if I paid money, especially if I paid money. But if it doesn't matter, like if if I took the time to like go into a museum, it's like by God damn it, I'm gonna learn something. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this thing out. I. So my my sister, speaking of my sister, who uh, she interned uh, in college, she spent like a semester and a half over in in London. That's how I've been over over, over there. And I went to visit her. This was a, my senior year in high school, and I spent the day with her at her internship um, at this museum called the Leighton House. He was an artist and um, kind of an eccentric, and you know, very wealthy and and stuff. And he had this this really beautiful beautiful home that was where the it's the museum now his house his old house is the museum and that's where my sister uh interned and um super cool people that work there and like but i sat there for a day and man i just like they had like i went to the museum which wasn't very big mind you uh like it's a house like i said uh and then like i just i just tackled like a stack of books about Layton and learning all about him and it's like so that was that was that was a day for me and I enjoyed it it was awesome yeah my actually the the lead name is actually English and uh for Christmas a a few years back my mom actually got bought me the ancestry.com uh subscription the international uh, subscription Mm -hmm. and I was able to trace that back because I really didn't know nothing about the lease side right I didn't my aunt actually traced it back a little ways, but she she actually kind of went down a rabbit hole, but it went the wrong way. She actually traced it back thinking our, we were German. Well, when I did it with all the documents Ancestry.com has, I actually traced it all the way back to back to England. And I, I went back to the 1400s, and it was pretty amazing, too, because I basically my last name is not spelled L-E-E. It's L-E-I-G-H. It's the traditional spelling of my last name. But I was able to trace it back to um, our ancestral home. was actually called, I believe it was pronounced Cotton Hall, C-O-T-O-N. And it's actually still standing today. And it's in an area called Stropshire, which it borders Wales. Okay. So I've always wanted to go to England and visit that house. It's, but um, it was pretty amazing. But if anybody has ever thought about doing the ancestry.com thing with the international plan is well worth it. It's freaking really cool. It, you'll learn so much. I mean, about your family. I mean, I learned that one of the very first Marines of the nation was one of my great, great, whatever uncles it was actually a Marine at the uh, Brooklyn boatyard. Oh, wow. In New York city before this, before the American revolution. That's and, uh, my but wife trace her family. She knows nothing about her her family, n- nothing at all. And I helped her do it, and she actually traced her line back to her great 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 whatever grandfather named Richard Bennett, 
who was in in the 1600s was the first governor of the Virginia colony, not as we know it today. But come to find out, he was a commander of the Second Anglo-Dutch War, the second one. I never even heard of it in my life. And it was the second one. I never heard of it ever. But before um, what we were making, you know, before the revolution, he was one of the proponents of actually forming basically a super colony with Virginia and a bunch of surrounding states to form one like massive state kind of kind of coming together free United States. So she knew nothing about him, never heard of him in her life, but that's her great, great, whatever grandfather, 10th, whatever, how far it goes back. That's crazy. But, uh, I know well, shit. You'll find it's crazy, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. I, I, um, like I said, I'm really, I'm just really excited to take in some of like the, some of the, the history and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people are asking like, Hey, what's your plan? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, honestly, nothing, man. Like I just kind of, I'm like, it's the whole thing is kind of itinerized. Like there's an itinerary and everything. I'm going with my wife's choir. They're touring Scotland. So she's singing in a couple of spots and, and um, you know, but most of it's already like, not most of it, a lot of it's planned and stuff like that. And there's a lot of optional time. So like, you know, check out a couple of distilleries, you know, Oh, definitely. Um, you know, enjoy some of the, just enjoy walking and, you know, and like taking in some of the, like the local spots and the history and stuff like that and stuff. So, like I yeah, said, I'm well, not really. Just go where the path takes you when you're on that trip, man. Oh, yeah. over here. Just check out what's over there. Just kind of wander. Wonderlust. Exactly. That's what, I, that's my plan. That is my plan, which is not much of one, but that's okay. So, um, what, um, I guess, what do you say? We get, we kind of get to get to the reason why we're, while we're here tonight. So let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tonight guys, we're going to have a, I'll go ahead and go and get, we'll get uh, tonight's major point introduced. So as always, our major point is always brought to you by the people. Yes. Cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind this uh, fun is a motivation for service and motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the Laman series. Phoebe cousins protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people it's what their life's work has been and always will be about power of the P protocol cigars. So Ben, we thought we'd uh, bring a little fun to uh, tonight's show on LS for more takes. And we thought we'd kind of mix it up. We've, uh, we've brought, we've kind of, uh, done the round table in this time but actually on the smoking syndicate page but uh, i thought it'd be a fun exercise to kind of duel it up a little bit and bring over uh the format that you do on cigar reviews and we would do a live cigar review tonight in addition to some of the conversation that i normally drum up on the show and and uh you were kind enough to oblige and uh and uh, and fill in tonight for it and be be the incredible guest that you typically are. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, man, it'll be cool. It'll be pre- pretty fun to do. Looking forward to doing it. So this is a cigar that you and I have been uh, wanting to do for a while. We were pretty excited about it. Um, so how do you want to do this? You want to do the dual, you want to start the dual recording and then I'll do get the specs in there. And is that how we want to do this? <clears throat> uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, let's see. 
Yeah, we can do that. That's a good idea. Let's do okay. it that way. Let me make sure you have the ability to record. This should have been done a little bit beforehand, but well, that's all good. Allow to record. So you should have the ability to go. record. I got it now. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. You want to intro this one? You want? Do you want to intro this part of it, or like do another intro, or or what? No, I could. Yeah, I'll basically just, do a mini recording. intro and then talk about the specs yeah. of the cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it that way. It's pretty easy. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. In addition to L.O.S. Fumar Takes, take 252 tonight, we are doing something special for the Smoking Syndicate. This is a Smoking Syndicate uh, cigar review of the Tatawahe Avion 13 Tuxla, a fantastic cigar that's a series that uh, Pete Johnson and Tatawahe released last year. Three original releases in the Tuxla line. They had, the, of course, the Avion 13, uh, the 7th Kappa, and the um, T110 all released in the uh, the Tuxla family of last year's release and everything. So the Avion 13 is what we are going to be reviewing tonight. And of course it is, um, it was, uh, uh, it was of course made at the uh, My Father factory in Nicaragua. And it is a um, Mexican San Andres uh, wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers. Again, manufactured at the My Father factory, blended by Pete Johnson. And the Vitola is a Figurado, uh, six by seven eighths by 52. So a longer cigar um, and box press. That's something else that's not really necessarily on the on the spec sheet. So uh, we will be smoking that cigar tonight. And uh, Ben, did I miss anything? Uh, price. Okay. You have that the MSRP? Yeah, so the MSRP on this uh, should be, uh, believe, let's see. Yes, I do. It's $13, $13.95. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It um, was $13 something. Um, considering a lot of the, 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 the more expensive projects out there, um, that these special projects that we've seen a lot of manufacturers doing everything, this was, uh, um, and um, I guess the, uh, the mystique or regard that the Avion 13, which I know we'll get into at some point during the conversation, uh, has uh, to keep that moderate of a price point was 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 something of note um, for me. I don't know if how much it was for you. So yeah, no, it was for me too, and I was kind of glad to see this one get get the become go under that that Tuxla mantle with the other other cigars too because I always felt when this first came out because originally when it came out it came out with a Fausto and then like a Cita Criollo and I always felt it kind of was like overshadowed by those two. Well you didn't I I mean I, I smoked them a lot. I know if several people did but the buzz was always with the Fausto or the like a Cita Criollo. And I always felt like this one just kind of didn't get its due. It's fair you know it's fair due. So was, I like to see it come back out. You tried with a Mexican San Andres wrapper, you know, to see what it was like, how would, how this would be with that wrapper. So I was really excited when I saw this coming, and especially for that price point, you know, because we had talked about we're going to the trade show last year was like how so many people were coming out with limiteds or even new lines that were starting, you know, 15 up to 20 bucks you know, or, or even higher, some, some of the thirties. Yeah. And it's like, 
where the hell we're going the wrong way. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. getting a little bit too expensive. So to see Pete release something like this, you know, that's limited, you know, it's limited runs every year that it's, it's at an approachable price point still, which was well, yeah, really cool. Exactly. And the, the, the Tato I seventh was the, was actually less expensive at nine fifty, and the T one ten was $10. And this was, and I misspoke earlier. I said 13, uh, 95 is 13.50 for the Avion. So 9.50. And these were, these were limited releases, right? Like, um, I won't call them limited editions because there's, there's Pete's done a lot of talking about bringing this back or having this kind of right. in his, yeah. his rotation of limited releases. Um, 2000 boxes of each. The T110, the seventh Tuxla, and the Avion 13 were released. Um, you know, uh, 25 cigars a piece, so 50,000 total um, in each in each block and everything. So, um, yeah, I thought, but this isn't the only like we like we were talking about. This isn't the only Avion 13. Like you had mentioned when it was originally released with the Fausto and the Cusito Carrillo. So, so the uh, the original Tatuaje Avion was the 11 which was a six and three quarter by 48, 552, 2011 undisclosed uh, how many were actually released. Tatsuwehe limited series Avion 2012, which was a five by five and five eights by 42. So smaller, more like petite figure auto. Um, yeah. And then he did it in Tatsuwehe Avion 2012, which again, uh, later released. So he did a limited series, and then he did a, 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 a I guess, a more regular limited. I don't, I don't know how he, he would define it. And then there was an Avion Limited seven and a quarter by fifty-two in July of thirteen. This one was really limited. Nine hundred and seventy bundles of ten cigars, only nine thousand cigars released. That's pretty micro, even for Pete. Yeah, I don't even know if I actually got that one. If I remember, I don't think I actually tried that one either. Yeah, that's crazy. So, and then there's the Avion thir- the the okay. So then we, this is an Avion thir- thirteen by name. So the Tatsuwaye Avion you know, thirteen six and seventy eights by fifty two, the original with your like the blend, uh, August of two thousand thirteen, and then he actually did this Tuxla in the CRA Freedom Pack for two twenty twenty two. He just didn't have the labels, you know, apparently, but. Yeah, so like if you got the if you got the CRA Freedom Pack, uh, spring of last year, so about this time last year, the Tatuaje in that pack was this cigar. It just wasn't labeled as such, apparently. Yeah, this CRA packs are pretty cool. They usually have a, some pretty good, you know. Yeah, he's throwing he's place. throwing pumpkins in there. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. mess around with that. He puts something good in there. Yeah, Fuentes do the same thing. They usually put something pretty nice in there as well. I mean, it's it's well worth the pr- the money for that for that. It's, oh yeah, talk about the big sample, the ones you can buy at the cigar shops. Mm-hmm. Man, those those are worth every penny. I think. Yeah, and a great cause, and you know, crazy stuff. So, all right. So Ben, where do we uh, do we take it from here? Do we take a break? Do we light no, it up and then take the break, or how do we do this? We're gonna light it up first, but let's. Okay. I'm gonna I'll put it up to the camera here so you can see it. Um, this cigar looks freaking gorgeous, man. Uh, every, this will probably be maybe eighth or ninth one of these I've smoked. And every single one of these has had such a beautiful wrapper on them. 
so so smooth mine has a slight oily sheen but it's not not too too oily i mean this cap is perfectly applied as well i mean it it just looks like a damn chocolate candy bar to me you know when i look at it you know the nice soft box press it looks fantastic so mine i've i've smoked uh this is actually you said this you the ninth one you smoked this is probably uh this is my 11th actually yeah i had to check that earlier this is my 11th uh this is by far the ugliest one i've smoked um <laughs> the wrapper's a little bit more rustic on mine um mm-hmm. we went over that we talked about this actually in the last two round tables like it doesn't bother me um but like i get what was koopa saying that night we were smoking the macanudo like if you take the label off and everything and you just put that cigar next to another cigar that has a more pristine wrapper which one are you going to take so i i got that argument but um but i'll tell you what man um man smelling the foot on this thing and the wrapper dude it is so freaking rich man that is that's like freaking cocoa puffs on a saturday morning with cartoons playing in the background rich yeah i mean you you really get that kind of dusty cocoa note on it in you know a nice woody note behind it as well it's it's really I mean, this is. I mean, I love. I love the aroma of this cigar. Yeah, I'm going to try to actually cut this at an angle, like we talked about the other night, and see how it does. And check my draw on that. There we go at an angle. See how it does. I've never done that. I thought that was a really cool thing to introduce me to. <laughs> I've, I've I've always done it that way. I've always done it that way. Perfect draw, milkshake draw. You know, it's just amazing. And actually, the flavors I get on this is actually the same as the aroma off the wrapper in the foot. It's like a dry, dusty cocoa. And really woody with a little hint of leather. Yeah, I definitely get some leather like on the when you like kind of you know lick your lips a little bit. Yeah, but to me, the dominant note is 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 that cocoa. And it it just it reminds me of like like Nesquik or Ovaltine, you know the powdered stuff, you know, you mix in with the milk. Like I would get I, Ovaltine is the main one I think of because they give it eight, to Aiden when he was little. He wanted you know get his vitamins and minerals in, so I'd mix some Ovaltine in, make him chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. It has that kind of that that same dusty cocoa, you know, scent that's on that or like on you know, the little cans of Hershey's cocoa powder or whatever. That's just, I mean, it smells, and t- and get that flavor on it and it's this aroma on the cigar is the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I just can't, I can't get over how rich this cigar smells and like just the dry draw tastes a little bit. Um, I'm still, I'll get a little bit more. I still get a little, little bit of like dark fruit sweetness too. It kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, really just rich. 
kind of like I don't know. Um, it's not like it's not like cherry or anything like that, but it's just kind of like a a more like like fig. Yeah, like like, like almost like a, fig. a dark dark stone fruit kind of a flavor. Yeah, it's good stuff. Fantastic. Let's go ahead and light it up. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. Do you toast the foot a yes, lot? Every time. Okay. Every, every time. time. Yeah, me too. It actually takes me quite a while to light a cigar because I make sure that the foot is well toasted. And I, I don't even puff on it really until it's got a nice glow all the way around. It, sometimes I don't even puff. I just make sure it has a nice little, you know, even burn. And then I start smoking. Kind of helps to keep it a little bit cool. Yeah, I definitely or, toast more when I use a lighter. When I use a match, I toast it still, but I don't. Uh, I just don't have the patience to cool light with a match. It just takes forever. Yeah, with the match, I don't do that. I have a whole separate routine with the match. I just light it real slow and normal and just rotate it in my mouth while I'm take some pulls and get the match going same with like a cedar spill or something like that i do the yeah. same thing with that and of always a light a cigar to me those are the two at the top i will always would rather use a match or a cedar spill than anything else i have always and no other reason than tradition honestly Well, that first couple of puffs were actually tight. Yeah, because it and then, to the foot. Yeah. yeah, and then, but like now, like third puff in it, like loosened up completely. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. but to, yeah, it, it, I could get more airflow, but like I, I don't consider it having the draw kind of getting loose. To me, it still has a good resistance to the draw. Mm -hmm. It just, it's just a little bit, a little bit more airy now. You know what cigar does that too? The original Neanderthal. You know, with that bell at the that bell at the end. I call it a bell, like an hourglass figure at the end. Yeah, yeah. So it's like clockwork, man. This this skip uh, makes those things so consistent. Like three puffs, it's like it's tight, and then on that fourth one, it's like it almost pops and just opens and like goes like it's supposed to. It's kind of it was kind of the same thing. It was like two puffs, bam, third puff. It's crazy. That's actually the 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 line that they have that I smoke the least by far. It's it's not in my wheelhouse, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's totally not. Yeah, it's totally not in your yeah. range. But let me tell you something: the ageability on those cigars is some of the most stunning of anything I've ever aged before. I mean, they they get when they when you age them, they get more harmonious, a little bit more mellow. And yeah. I get I get more flavor out of it when it ages. And I I didn't know I didn't. So I bought when it first came out. I bought a box of the inner thaws, and I smoked the couple. I'm like, yeah, this is the biggest, this is not, the, the big ass like. crate. No, no, no. This was the uh, the when they released them first in the in the the box the regular box of 25 count boxes. Okay, little boxes. Um, 
and I forgot the size of it now. The little short fat ones is what it was. Um. Anyway, they you know they come with the you know little razor in there. You're supposed to just cut the little top of it off or whatever. But anyway, I would smoke. I'm like, holy shit, this is this is too, this is too strong. It's too much Lajero. I I don't I can't do this. So what I was I wish I was doing, I was kind of gifting the people. I was giving them away. And on a move, that was when I bought them when I lived in Houston. Then I moved to Tallahassee, and we got some shipments of the first Romacraft shipments into the cigar shop my buddy owned, and everybody fell in love with the Neanderthal. But they all like super strong stuff, and we ran out. They ran out of them, and one guy would come in and buy three of them and smoke them back to back to back. I was like, never seen some shit like that in my life. Jesus, and. Yeah, it's while he would smoke. Then we, you know, the other shipment hadn't come in yet. I'm like, that's okay, dude. I, I'll I'll bring a couple from. I have a box house. Somebody was smoking. I brought him in. He's like, started to smoke. Lit one up. He's like, oh my god. I'm like, what? He said, man, these are way better than the ones we've been smoking here. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, they're, they're they got so much more flavor and they're so much smoother and mellow. I'm like, what the fuck? I went home that night and I lit one up, dude. It was like. It's like a game changer, man. It was so much better. It was, it was it was so much richer of a cigar that was kind of getting more into my wheelhouse. It was pretty right. cool. So, yeah, I, anyway, I, like the, I like the way it ages for sure. I like that blend. It does. I think it does age. I think it like. I I mean I I enjoy it. I enjoy it the way it is off the shelf, but I enjoy how it like age kind of takes the edge off a little bit. Oh yeah. It, that was one that was the most drastic change of any non-Cuban cigar that I've let age for a while. What I'm getting off this one is almost like the same as a cold draw. Some I'm getting is a lot of black pepper, and I get a lot of it. When I rough trail this cigar, man, I can really feel it in my sinuses. <laughs> this one has a pretty pretty spicy retro hell for me you know but I'm, I'm still picking up a little bit of that cocoa the cedar um you know i'm getting that kind of like that plummy figgy kind of flavor you were getting but to me it's yeah. real faint like i'm not getting it too strong but i'm getting black pepper now and so i was getting something else you hear popping off in the background they're like really going at it with the fireworks right now. My poor dog is like hugging, hugging my leg right now. Dex. But I'm also getting like a kind of a non, this non, I don't know. I can't really describe that. It's a, there's a sweetness there. That's a, it's not just a generic, you know, sugary sweetness it's there's something there's something sweet that's that's coming in it's kind of like it's kind of like um mexican pastry like mex what i call mexican bread like conchas like that sweet bread kind of Mm -hmm. breakfast that kind of thing going on with um i'm getting a faint i'm getting a faint little uh anise like stir anise note that has that kind of licorice bite to it I'm not really getting that, but but that's a that's a flavor that I don't necessarily have in my tackle box because I'm not a big I'm not a big anise flavor fan, you know. Yeah, 
So I don't I don't have enough of experience like what that would probably pick that up in the cigar. Good but stuff. I'm, that it's almost like that cocoa is getting almost like to uh, transform from that dry cocoa powder to almost to like almost like a milk chocolate. I mean, I think that's where maybe that sweetness is coming from the, in the beginning of the cigar. Yeah, this is this is all the good star for me. I mean, yeah. Are we getting any, anything else besides what we talked about? Or besides no, that? no. I think we've I think we've talked about that. So, um, do we do we uh, take a break yeah. here and then go off to the first third? Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and smoke this to the end of the first third. We'll be back to give you our impressions. See you in a second. All right. Pause for YouTube. See what Tyler Jeffrey, he's sitting there blowing up our chat. Let's see. He's uh he's smoking really crappy cigars today. Patina fifth anniversary, Cro-Magnon, and a lot of storia. Better luck next time, Tyler. It's all good. Jesus. Lumen, aren't we, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but um no, I, I then I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to do this review with you. Uh I know we had been putting it off for a bit, uh, just because of scheduling and stuff, but uh but um yeah it was one that i wanted to do specifically out of, out of the tuxlas um i've had a fondness for the avion uh like i've i smoked a few of those um that we were talking about earlier and i've always really kind of liked the blend and obviously this is different it's a completely different wrapper um but uh i uh i've always just had a a really really fondness for the for the avions they're just They've just always been really good. Yeah, me too. I've always really liked them too because to me, you got that flavor, that flavor explosion you get from a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco. But I, we don't know exactly what's in this blend. We don't really know. We just know it's Nicaraguan. Yeah. But I don't know. But to me, the Avion always smoked a little bit more elegant. You know, sure. it's just a little bit smoother than the rest of the cigars, you know? And I really appreciated that, you know. Yeah, I always called it. He used to call it the connoisseur tattoo. <laughs> it it really kind of was, man. Like he 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 um he started kind of getting a little bit more nuanced around that time. A little bit. It was more than just like, hey, I can do more than broadleaf, right? That's you know, I can do some matra. And he tried that with this. You know, he obviously succeeded with the seventh kappa and uh, kappa special and things like that. You know, like he. It's really it's really funny as you kind of seen you know, Pete in the last like five, 10, you know, five, seven years, really, you know, he's gotten kind of, uh, he's had a lot of fun. I kind of like to say that like the Mexican experiment cigars, like the whole, I wasn't a fan of it particularly. I'm much more of a Cabagon guy myself, but like the negotiant, like, yeah, that's, it's just a real nuanced thing. And I, I don't know, like if you took that band off and I knew I wasn't smoking a Tatawahe and I just smoked the negotiant, I might like it a little bit better. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Pete. Like, I think no. it's just because I think it's just that, that, you know, you have that, uh, that preconceived notion in your head when you like, you're like, oh, I'm smoking a Tatawahe and I like to negotiate and it just, 
it's nothing like it's completely different than anything he's ever done. Right. Like, and I, I, when you were going, when you, were, you hadn't even said it yet, I knew exactly where you were going with that because I'm the same way with that cigar. Like, like I, I mean, you kind of expect certain things from a tattooed cigar, and then that one does it. <laughs> it's so far out of you know Pete's playbook that it's like you would never expect it. You know, and because we before that he's done he's done lighter cigars, but that one was still totally different from like you talk about the, the Cabaguan. It's they're technically they're kind of in the same same realm, same little area, but they they taste is totally different you know and it actually took me quite a, a while to appreciate the negotiate i mean it it took quite a while because when i first smoked them i was like yeah there's not much here to this cigar but i had one uh, probably about a year ago and i was like damn this is really tasty you know so or that or they just grew on me one of the two yeah i haven't gotten there with the negotiate um they have the hibaro i uh it took me a, it took me a, like a couple of times to actually enjoy that cigar. I'll go back to that one now. Um, but it, it, at first it was kind of like one of the, it was, it was kind of the same experience. I was like, ah, that's different. Yeah. Um, and then I kept going back to it and I was like, okay, yeah, I like this. This is good. This is good. Um, which is saying something because like, I think like where he likes to have a lot more fun. And like I said, this is the round, the, he started, he kind of brought Latillier a little bit into Tatuaje because, you know, 10, you know, 10 years ago is when he, he started Tatuaje with Casey. And then like, of course he did surrogates with Dan and, you know, he, he had a little bit more fun. I, you know, I call it fun, right? He just experimented more. It got like outside, outside of his brand, outside of his like shtick a little bit. And, um, and I think like the last five to seven years, he's kind of brought some of that into, into Tatuaje, which is kind of cool. And I think he's done yeah. like overall, like, like, you know, if, if you want to call the negotiant an outlier, you, know, you can. Um, but I think he's done, I think he's done really well with it. Like, I don't think it's like, there's no brand confusion. Let's just call it that way. And, and, yeah. uh, I think he's milled it well. He's done some good stuff. Um, so this is, yeah, I would agree. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, my favorite Tatuaje right now. And it probably will be for the longest time is the Escaso Sage. I right. I can't there's a perfect example. Yeah, there's a perfect example, man. That cigar's freaking money. So good. Fucking yeah, fire. And man. it's so it's so because it, basically every. I mean, we probably all do it. To me, the benchmark when I when, of Tatawahi is is just the, the brown label line, right? Right. So the Nicaragua or Miami. So every time he comes out with something. Whether it's you know subconscious or not, we all are comparing to get to that line, you know, either stronger, lighter, you know, more flavor, less flavor, whatever. However you want to do it, the benchmark for all for me, I know I can speak for me specifically is the benchmark is the brown label line. Everything goes off of that one, right? So I compare different tattoos that I'm smoking. I'm in my head, you know, I'm thinking compared to that one, it's right. this or it's that or whatever, you know. So when's the last time you've had a seventh Kappa special? Probably about eight months ago. Dude, pick some up, dude. They're smoking so good right now. 
And this, yeah. I, I, I say this like this is this is where I got in trouble, and I've told the story a couple of times, including to Pete, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I, it was around the time it was. I think it was around the second time that I had him on, and Pete was just releasing another Sumatran project, I think, um, at the time. And I was like, oh, cool, man. I love when, and I was texting Pete and I was saying, man, I love when you work with Sumatra. And I was talking to somebody um, about this and they're like, I was like, yeah, man, I love when Pete works with Sumatra. And they're like, and it like, it stirred up like this fucking hornet. I like, I like called down the thunder and stirred up the hornet's nest and like, like, no, dude, it's, he's like, dude, he's, he's king of broadleaf. Broadleaf, His broadleaf is so much better. I'm like, holy shit, dude. I didn't say his broadleaf sucked. I just said, I like his, I like when he works with Sumatra, man. And yeah. And it's just, it's just really funny. Um, it's, you know, it's just, it was just really funny that like, like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy his broadleaf too, but, um, but I mean, I, I just, I like, I like what he blends with Sumatran. Yeah, me too. And, and the crazy thing is, this is the way it's gone for me every time. You know, he used that Sumatra, the Kappa Special, or whatever it is. Is that when I first smoke it, when it first comes out, I don't really care for it. I think it's okay. But that son of a bitch ages amazing. It's it, not long. It doesn't take long. I remember like when the then T110s came out, the Kappa Special and the Sumatra was the worst one to me. But you risen it now, <laughs> it could be the best one. I think it might be the best one now. You know, so same, were you like that with the cohetes too? You okay? See, no. I dude, I saw, I thought. See, the cohete, I smoked the Kappa Special first, expecting it to be ho hum, and it was freaking magical. Yeah, it was fire, dude. That thing was so, so good. good. I oh yeah. god, I I still have a few left. Thanks, uh, tip of the cap, Aaron Nielsen, getting me some. Man, those cigars are so fucking good. Uh, I agree, man. Uh, the cohete is like, to me, is, is another. It's just so freaking underrated. It's it's one of his best sizes ever, I think. You know, but I, I could I could smoke boxes of those. That and Discasso Sage, I'd be happy. Good stuff. Um, so here's an interesting question from the chat. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring this in, Tyler. What's your um, uh, what did he call it? I get the, the holy grail of, of, I guess, of Tatuaje, as he's talking about. So he said his is the old man in the sea black label. Here's another example of him having fun, right? He did the old man in the sea with the Fausto. And I thought that was just awesome. You know, what a great experiment he did there. That's not my holy grail, Tyler. That's not my answer. But um, um, but I thought that, I thought that was another example of him having fun, you know, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, mine would pro- was probably the original Hibaros from when he had a shop in Beverly Hills. Yeah, pre pre really Tatawahe pre my father. Yeah, I was like say pre Pepin. Yeah, that wasn't even a yeah. Pepin cigar. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was. Um, I I remember it was a, I was when they when they I remember a buddy of mine on Cigar Weekly. He he got a a, a large box of these. And we split them. We all split them the five packs. And I had the first one. I was like, "Holy shit, this is really awesome! This is amazing!" And I, I kind of just started put. I put them away for like special occasions. And 
I'll never forget a friend of mine came over and was talking about how we wish he would have been able to try one of those cigars. And this, this we're talking about, this is 10 years later down the road. And I'm like, Oh really? Cause I have three left in my humor. They're like, he's like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And I went and got them and showed that there's no bands on them. They're unbanded. He's like, dude, he said, man, I would love to have one of those. I was, I was about to say, you know, here you can have one. <laughs> he says hey man how about i trade you my my block sunglasses for those i'm like what he said yeah yeah i'll trade you i'm like okay okay i was like like he obviously did he obviously didn't know the generous soul that you are clearly so uh i was like what the hell i remember telling it that the next year we we were at drew estate for the cigar safari with the media the all the bloggers the dirty bloggers were together and Pete came over one night and we were all, when we go down the cigar safaris, we we do is we would bring like usually beers from our local areas or, and I'm not a big beer guy. So what I, what I would do is I would actually bring moonshine at it, you know, various places I could get that. But our, so Pete would come over and he, you know, was, him and Thor Nielsen and Dan Reeve, and they would be you know, trying all the different beers and stuff. And I remember telling him that that night, I'm like, man, I said, because uh, I actually had them on me, those sunglasses. Like, I said, yeah, I got these thanks to you. He was like, well, how was that thanks to me? And I told him the story. He's like, wait a minute. He says, somebody traded you a pair of my Blanc sunglasses for one of my cigars? I said, yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. He said, wow, that's a first. But, uh, we were I, up till like four in the morning that night. We just listened to Pete tell stories to underrated is his storytelling ability. It's uh, he's, he's one of the best storytellers I've ever been around. That's amazing. What were you going to say? Um, no, but I think that uh, I will get back to that here in a second. Cause I want to get back to Tyler's question for me, but yeah, no, I I've, I've come to appreciate that as, as my, as my friendship with Pete has grown over the years, like he, he's one of those people that I can, yeah, like I can sit and listen to for a long time. And he's just got, he's got some really cool stories and it's the way. And, and I think that was kind of like, I think that was obviously like showcase when he produced a uh, hand rolled, you know, the documentary and everything like that was like, it wasn't always, it wasn't his story. Like he was in it obviously. And he produced it and stuff like that. But like, I think that's, really showcased what the importance of like storytelling is to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to answer the question of the Holy, uh, the Holy grail uh, for me in the Tatawahi line is the original Frank. I never got to smoke it. It's the only monster I never got to smoke the original one. I've smoked the redux. I've had like the pudgy, the skinny, etc. I've had the Frank. I've smoked the blend. Um, I never got to smoke the original and probably never will frankly i never got to smoke the original that one or the original drag i got the original drag yeah i got the original drag just one it was good yeah that's two that i've never had the original releases (laughs) that one would be probably up there for me too honestly either of those two either the drag or the frank um because they're legend they have a legendary status with the monster series you know, oh, especially the Frank, the Frank being the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And I, I never did get to try that. So that would, that would be, that's a, that's a good one too. A really good one. Yeah. 
You mentioned something a minute ago, we'll, and then we'll we'll take a break and go into the first third thoughts here. When I mentioned Star Anise, and you and you said that it, it kind of wasn't in your uh, your Rolodex, you called it your Rolodex. I thought that was cool. Uh, um, but where where did you kind of? And I've I've hung out with you enough and smoked enough cigars with you, Ben, and we've talked about wine and and spirits and other things too, uh, even coffee for that matter. Uh, I know you're not as much into beer. Um, and everything, but I mean, what, um, where, where did the Rolodex start to form for you? Like, where did you, when did you decide or what were you doing? Was it uh cigar smoking? Was it something else? You're like, I want to start appreciating things a little bit at a, at a more deeper level and exploring your palate. Well, honestly, it was, it started learning how to cook when I was a young teenager. That's where it kind of all started at. My dad was a, <clears throat> you know, you know, he was avid, you know, griller smoking meats and stuff. And then, of course, um, my grandmother, you know, on my mom's side, you know, we ate a lot of, you know, Cajun and Creole foods. So, we, we you know, we're, we're a food family. Everything, everything we would do as a family was sit around a meal, right? Everything. Wow. So, even when I was little, I was learning, you know, you know, how to cook steaks, you know, how to smoke ribs, how to make gumbo you know shrimp creole jambalaya etouffee you know you just name it i was i was around cooking and i always liked cooking i i, I enjoy cooking and to this day i love trying all kinds of different recipes well when you're doing that you're you know you're tasting you know you're the food or whatever and oh you know it would be kind of cool if i did it this way or if i put this little spin on it or whatever to get the different different flavors right so it, I mean, it's almost like an Epicurean thing, right? It's like, I want to get these different flavors, sensations or whatever. And it just kind of translates going from, from that, because when we talk about flavors and whether it's cigars, wine, um, you know, scotch or bourbon or something like that, it's, we're all relating it back to something we've tasted or smelled or something in our past, right? Mm-hmm. So coming, coming from, you know, my family were all big, all, all my family were, you know, they cook and we all cooked, everybody cooked, you know? So <clears throat> I was actually came from a background where I had, a, you know, a lot of flavors already in memory to where I, it was a little bit easier for me to pick stuff out, you know? So I remember whenever <clears throat> I, I was smoking cigars when I was in college right and it was kind of like you know just a little bit here and there and i was in army rotc whenever i was in college and we were i remember our first cadet ball um my first sergeant he was uh he was uh, you know our instructor there he was he was cavalry he, you know he was uh, he was um uh, uh, m1 Airbus tanks right and one of the traditions, what he was saying when you when they when they have their balls or whatever, is you know besides the cavalry hat, they would have a saddlebag over their shoulder, and in one saddlebag was a bottle of scotch, and the other one was a box of cigars. So that's kind of it, so it kind of like really took off from that point. Gotcha. You know, and I remember you know, you know, hanging out at a friend's house, whatever. We're sitting around bonfire in college kind of blown off see we're all we are all in, in engineering school so when semester is over it was like a good release and i said right <laughs> now i have a cigar 
And they're like, they're like, hey, what does that taste like? Because you know, nobody smoked cigars really. We were college kids really back in the day. And this is, we're talking about the mid mid to late nineties. So this is like at the beginning of the cigar boom, but not for college kids, right? Right. So I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm getting this and this still, and this like still uh, smoking uh you know Titan Phillies <laughs> and uh Garcia Vegas and stuff like that from the gas station. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. a lot of it was until till that moment. And then I was like able then I realized there's premium stuff out there, right? So uh, so it's just like you know, like you could you could taste all that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know what? You know, I, I I would share cigar. They're like, you know, I'll taste them I'm like no, it just tastes like tobacco. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of cool, whatever. And then I joined Cigar Weekly, which is the one of you know, one of the first major forums out there. And of course, there's a lot of people from New Orleans, so we all got get together. And so, you know, kind of just got in, you know, we you get around other people, like kind of like what we do with the round table, but it would be like 20 to 30 at a hearth. And we would always have it on a camp in Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans. And we would talk about, you know, hey, you know, I really like this cigar. I wanted y'all to try this. And we'd bring stuff for people. And we all smoke it. And they're like, what did you get out of it? What did you get out of it? So we're kind of picking them apart, too. Not really to review, just like saying, hey, what do you get out of that? Is that in your wheelhouse? What do you like? Well, I like this, but so I think you might like this. Try this. And we would be doing trades all the time. So <clears throat> it was, you know, that was kind of like the start of it. Now, I, I definitely cannot do it as good. I can do it okay with wine, but with like bourbon and scotch, I cannot do it nowhere near as good as with a cigar, where I have some friends that can pick apart a scotch or a bourbon incredibly well. But then they'll tell me like in a cigar, like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it tastes good, but I don't really <laughs> don't know what it tastes. I'm like, wait a minute. I would kind of teach them like, how the hell do you pick apart, get like 30 freaking notes out of a sky but you can't tell me one out of a cigar but then it's like the same with me like i i could do that with a cigar but i can't do it really well with a scotch i could probably give you two or three notes to get out of that it's but it's like my buddy said it's just it's kind of like with cigars we're smoking cigars constantly but i'm not drinking scotch constantly three or four times a day you know where so it's like it's just experience thing with that too i'm like well, i never thought of it that way but definitely you know yeah that's kind of where it comes from i i think yeah i think cigars is where it started for me and then it kind of go it kind of went from there like it went into because i mean i was smoking cigars way before i was drinking alcohol um and like i you know up until i think it's only been about the last 10 years that i drank that i've been drinking black coffee like now I don't, now I don't put anything in my coffee, but before when I was in college and stuff, like the only way I would drink, and even after that, the only way I would drink coffee is, you know, heavy cream and sweetener, um, you know, you know, basically I wanted, you know, my, if my coffee looked, you know, like white, that was, that was the coffee that I wanted to drink. <laughs> yeah. You know. Or, you know, like the cap cappuccinos and lattes, which I still appreciate. I just can't do it anymore, man. Like the the it's really funny, like since I kicked soda um, you know, six years ago and um and haven't drank, you know, anything in my coffee really, like whenever I do put something in my coffee, it's weird. It's so cloying and it's not even that 
sweet, you know, uh, which is yeah. just crazy to me. Like it's just, it's just nuts. Um, yeah, see, I've I've always had black coffee. I mean, what growing up, you know, in in South Mississippi, you know, we, you know, my mom would, you know, we go to my my school was right around the corner from my grandmother's house. We would go to her house after school, you know, and visit with her, and they would always have coffee. Always, it was always black. Nobody, nobody even put sugar in it. Everybody had it black. So forever, <laughs> I just thought it's got to be black, right? It's a black, it's black coffee. And I'm not even gonna get into the chicory bullshit. And we're not. That's just garbage. Because, because yeah, I was gonna say because we know how much you love chicory. And chicory is tastes like a, the asshole of a dead goat. It's it's so gross. You don't, you don't want it. <laughs> but. The only, t- but I swear though, but the you know, like, when I first, go, oh my it's, god, it's it's terrible, it's terrible. It it was it's it's shit that people had to do when it was you know poor as hell and you needed coffee, but you had to you know kind of like stretch it out. You put this this nasty ass root in there to kind of stretch it out. And oh god, it, that's so funny. It was garbage then, it's garbage now, and it's going to be garbage in the fucking future. But I don't know why people still drink that shit. But I've never, I've always hated that shit, obviously, but I've been drinking black coffee forever. But whenever I, I was introduced to espresso, I love the flavor of just pitch black espresso too. I love it. But saying that, I love like, you know, a cortado, cortadito, uh, you know, a cappuccino or a latte, you know, but usually, matter of fact, when I go to most coffee shops, Order a quiet shot cappuccino. That's my drink, you know. But okay. I do like, I do like a really good, a really good shot of espresso. Just sip on it, a pure black espresso. So I, I, I so I've never drank like drip coffee or like regular coffee. We would serve a regular coffee. I've never, I've never drank it anywhere but black because I, I like the flavor of it. Because like, I could pick apart flavors of, in coffee as well. Like I, I could, I could do that pretty well. Yeah, I can but do with coffee. Yeah. The only time I, I've I've ever drank it um, different from that is um, in the early two thousands. I was actually this is before I ever moved to moved to North Carolina, but my cousin, his family on on the other side from my uncle that we're related to, they lived on the outer banks of North Carolina. In the, in the southern part, south of Moorhead City, it's called Sea Level Atlantic, North Carolina, in Harker's Island. It's it's a little bitty ass area. Nobody is watching this. Is ever going to hear heard of this place? But we'll go duck hunting, right? Because uh, that whole area is is very big commercial fishing. Well, the only work from April from yeah April to October. Well, to make ends meet, but in between, what they'll do is they'll they'll guide hunts, whether it's deer for bear you know uh ducks or whatever mostly it's all ducks and so when we go out there we would duck hunt and my cousin's brother would always make this big ass thermos of coffee he only drinks it with sugar in it why well, i didn't know that i had no idea so i got a cup of coffee and i was sitting there drinking I'm like, oh what the hell is this sugar in here like oh yeah man i gotta have sugar it's too bitter for me i have sugar so and I don't mind it. I don't mind cream and sugar in my black coffee. It, you know, regular drip coffee. I, I don't mind it. I would prefer it black. But the only way I could get it while we're there duck hunting, and it's freezing ass cold, mind you. I mean, it's so cold that sea spray is like freezing to my my duck jacket, my waders and stuff. So it was keeping me warm as this damn coffee with sugar in it. 
So now, if I go duck hunting, <laughs> I can only have it. I want to have sugar in my coffee. It's the weirdest thing ever. But I don't want it in my coffee any any other time. I want just black coffee, unless I'm going hunting. Then I want I want sugar in. It's just it's a weird thing. I don't know. It's funny. It just hit it hits a spot that 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 whole week that we were up there helping guide duck hunts. And I don't know. It's ever since then. But I I prefer just plain black coffee. So, but I get it. I get it. You know, my my I mean, my wife she likes it to where it's like creamer with a little bit of coffee same one drives me nuts but whatever more coffee for me when she actually makes it up but yeah that's i mean that's always a good though because a lot of notes in coffee too because it's grown similarly in a in a in a same area tobacco is most of the time right that some of the thing you get a lot of the same. Well, and soil, soil and dictates a lot of it. Yeah, soil and region and and sun exposure and all that plays such a key part in the way that coffee tastes, which is interesting because it goes through such a different process than tobacco does. Right from a harvesting standpoint, curing stand like there's no curing in coffee beans. Like you you for all intents and purposes, like I know there's different ways of roasting coffee beans. But like for the most part, like that's, you know, that's, you know, that it's, it's basically the same process, but yet right, beans from X region can taste completely different from beans from this region after going through the same roasting process, which is, I guess it's not too dissimilar from tobacco, right? I mean, you know, you know, two different types of leaves can be harvested and cured and, and fermented in the same fashion. Right. And then taste completely different. So I guess it's not, I guess it's not as different as I thought as when I started the sentence. So, (laughs) um, well, awesome. Well, hey Ben, well, I'm, I'm at the first third. What do you, what do you think? I'm going to hop in here. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. So let's go back in. All right. Three, two, one. And we're back with another, a, a, well, not another edition. This is the first edition in collaboration of the Smoking Syndicate and uh, Alos Fumar Takes. We're reviewing the Avion, Tatuaje Avion 13 Tuxla. And uh, and uh, we've just made our way through the first thirds. So we're going to give our thoughts on the first third. So, Ben, uh, how is the uh, how's the Avion 13 Tuxla uh, smoking for you through the first third here today? Me, it's really good. As this cigar burned down from our initial light to what it is now, I'm still getting a lot of a nice cocoa note. That's to me is the primary note. Um, I get a little bit of leather, a little bit of, of like a cedar note, but that that dark fruit note that we were talking about earlier, Bailey, just well, you got it more than I did originally. I'm really getting it now, and it's like um, it, it's really intertwined well with the rest of the flavors in there. Um, the black pepper, I got a little bit more on the front, but now as it's burning down, the black, black pepper is fading down a little bit. But I do get more of that in the retro hill. Um, for me, the retro hill in this one's pretty strong. Like I, I can't, I can't really do much of a full retro hill in this one because I get a lot of black pepper for me, and it just it makes my sinuses go go crazy. But I have sinus problems anyway, so that's kind of normal. Um, and for me too, I get a medium to short finish 
on this. Um, and I would say probably, um, I would say meeting the full body strength and probably full flavor so far. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the full flavor. I think that was kind of like the the thing for me right off the get. Uh, interestingly, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the flavor note that has not returned with this cigar. The cigar has a little bit. Obviously, this was in the original uh, uh, box that I purchased, um, so it, it has I guess has about a year of age on it. You know, give or take. Um, and I thought what's, what was really interesting about this particular cigar is that when I first was first smoking it. There was a lot more, in addition to some of the flavors that uh, I'm about to talk about and the ones that you've mentioned as well, um, I got a, it was a lot more heavy on the earthiness. Um, with the cigar that I'm smoking today, the experience that I'm having right now, the earthiness is there, but it's not as pronounced as it has been in my previous experiences. Uh, not to say that neither one is good or bad. I just think it's a lot more complex with the age now uh, than it was uh, previously, especially particularly in the first third, obviously, we've got two more thirds to smoke now. Um, but I'm getting uh, a lot of that rich uh, kind of uh, caramelized fig that we were talking about. It's really deep, very sweet, full flavored, um, as you mentioned. The Retro Hill is perfect for me. It is, uh, It is. Um, I do like a little bit longer of a finish. I think if you give it a try, Ben, um, you'll notice that that spice dissipates pretty relatively quickly. It's still a more medium finish. It's not a short finish or anything. Um but uh, the uh, the leather notes that I'm getting to uh, the 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 black pepper on the nose in particular the uh, the other thing that I'm getting to like I mentioned a little bit of star and anise that's kind of dissipated I haven't I haven't gotten that back since the first few puffs so that that bitterness is kind of is kind of gone it's still very balanced which I really enjoy um, and uh, it, it was a you know pretty good first third I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see what the second third does and to see if some of this complexity. Uh, continues um, and differs from my other experiences too, which, you know, which I enjoyed those initial experiences too. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's something to look forward to for sure. Yeah. Cause I, I kind of, I know exactly what you're saying. Not, not so much with earthiness, but more of how the flavors of the cigar have changed with age. Because to me, I remember we first got these in and I was smoking them. These it was the same flavors, but to me they just like popped a little bit more, right? They were a little bit more pronounced, and they weren't so harmonious with each other as they are now. To me, the flavors are still there, but they're kind of like they're much more um, nuanced and subtle. It's not the right words for this, but just they're more. It's just more harmonious. Like they're all. It seems like they're working all well together. And they're not so strong. Each each flavor, you know, note is not as strong as it once was. So now it's a bit more mellowed and refined to me, where it's it's it just it's got a better flavor profile overall than when we first got it, right? So, yeah. which brings me to something else. But I think I'm gonna save it to the end when we finish the cigar about the what which one you like better. But yeah, I think the first turns off to a good start. So, um, unless you did, have anything else you want to talk about for this one, I think we'll uh, go yeah, into go, the second third. Yeah, we'll go into the second third for sure. All right, so we'll go ahead and finish off the second third. We'll be back to let you know how it is. See you in a second.
All right, pause. But, and I tell you what, the angle cut to me is working out really well. <laughs> I feel like, what the fuck have I been doing for all these years? <laughs> I, I was really surprised that you hadn't heard that before. I've always cut tapered cigars on an, well, not always. I've done it for a considerably long time. It was something that uh, Tracy Spence taught me. Uh, shit at this point it's probably been it's probably been over almost 15 years at this point that i've been doing that yeah so uh it's probably when i first met him uh before i worked for him actually so like he that he taught me that because i was talking to him about i remember specifically talking about i don't really enjoy torpedoes and uh he's like well try this i can't even remember what it was at the time tried it it's like yeah it's good still like it's like hey show me how you cut that and i cut it like i normally cut it i mean i didn't I wasn't too much of a noob. Like I didn't cut like all the way down. Like I didn't cut off like yeah. half the cigar. I, I cut where you're supposed to. And he's like, okay, hey, try this. Do the same amount, but cut it just at a slight angle and see what happens. So he gave me another one, smoked. It. I was like, whoa, what the hell, dude? He's like, yeah, quite the difference, huh? And I was like, yeah. He's like, there's more surface area. I was like, oh, yeah. Shit. I, I've never actually been drawn to torpedoes ever. Just never. To me, they're they're so finicky, right? I mean, before the angle cut, it's always been, you know, how much do you cut, right? Ben, just say Ben, just say it. People don't know how to fucking make them. I mean, that's the thing. That's the truth of it. Yeah, I mean, some some people don't. Some companies don't do it very well. Yeah, you know. But I mean, if you you know you don't cut it enough, you got to risk you go running the risk of it, you know tarring up and getting crappy flavors and if you cut it too much you got a risk of it unraveling going past where you think the cap should be on a torpedo it's always just been a pain in the ass so i just like going you know the regular you know brejos where you know like a robusto or toro corona cortigorda something like that anyway so and smaller ring gauges because most of the time the torpedoes are much longer are bigger ring gauges and I prefer smaller ring gauges. So it just never has been like, I'm not, I haven't been trying to avoid torpedoes, but it's usually like if, if I got, if there's a, a whole bunch of sizes laying there, it's probably going to be the, one of the last ones I go to besides the Gordo, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, but torpedoes just never something I wouldn't grab. But I mean, if you think about it, you go, you go look, think of back some of the cigar lines. A lot of people aren't even, they're not remaking really a lot of torpedoes anyway. You know, you'll, be, you'll see your Abusas and Toros and even, even more Churchills and torpedoes, you know, that just not many people were add them to the line. I mean, I don't know if that's because they're not really big sellers or, or what that is, but, you know, or maybe it could be a middle block to me where I'm just ignoring them in the first place. I'm not really sure. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think, I think, well, I think, I think like anything, Ben, I, when it comes to like cigars and stuff, I think there is an, and I'll, I'll say this about myself and, but I'll also say about other fellow cigar smokers, dude, there's such a fucking mental block with shit. Like if you don't like something you don't like, it's like, it's really hard to get past it. doesn't matter how good the cigar is. Like, you know, with like, it took me a long time to really, I mean, appreciate cigars that were torpedo or figurado in shape. And then ironically, like I had two straight years in a row where I had those cigars as the cigars, my the cigar of the years, like the EP uh, Carrillo Ancar Valientes, it's a box press torpedo. Then I had the Christoph Vengeance Perfecto, you know, in, in back-to-back years. So 
I, but it's such a, it's such a mental block for people and myself included. Like I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out on that. I'm, I'm saying how it is when you, um, when you just don't like something, you just don't like, it's it, like to your point about Gordo's like, like Coop has to recommend a Gordo to me, like for me to actually smoke it. Like I really just, I just don't reach him. I just don't reach for him. You Same know? here. I, I just don't find them comfortable cigars to smoke. You know, and the most of the time is, you know, the ring is so damn big that it kind of, to me, it dilutes the flavor. But I will say when Coop says, hey, you really ought to try this Gordo. I've learned now, just go ahead and try the damn thing because he's never been wrong yet. Yeah. Because he he knows our palates enough now where he's like, I know you'll like this one. You should do this. You know. well, so like the cigar that he, the first time that I had that, I know you had that experience with, I think it was like, I believe it was the Davidoff. Uh, was it the Escurio or, or was it the, the Nica- uh, Nicaragua? Nicaragua. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it, it was another Davidoff product. It was the Avo, the, uh, the original Synchro, like the, the oh, yeah. Green Banded one. I don't like that cigar. Like just flat out, like just don't like it. I like the Synchro Ritmo. I like the Fogato. Really love the Fagata. I really like the Ritmo. Um, love those blends. Um, I just don't like the original Synchro. It just, it tasted like, I know, and this might like attract some people. It just tasted like a giant meat stick, but unseasoned and very bland. Yeah, we've talked about this. We're the exact opposite on, on the, the Avo Synchro lines. To me, the Fagata to me is the worst one. Yeah, but then Coop said smoke the sixty in the synchro, and I was like, fine, that's fine, I'll do it, and I did it, and he's right. And I actually, it, it's an it's an enjoyable smoke. It's it's by far the superior Vitola. Yeah, um, I still won't reach for it necessarily, just because I mean I just think there's more out there, but like it's by far the superior Vitola. Yeah, it, I crazy. think the the first time it was really an eye opener was actually not attributed to william cooper um that was a one of our our, when we first opened the cigar shop in Biloxi, mississippi our oliva rep at the time was name was alan bullivis one of the sweetest nicest guys you'll ever meet and he was our oliva rep for quite a while until he was able to get the territory in tampa which is where he lived at he of course he wanted to be home with his family more so he took that position over there but we had a big oliva event and I'm a big fan of Oliva cigars. I, I love most of the line, but one of the lines I don't care for is that Reserve Connecticut. Yeah. I, I do not care for their Connecticut. To me, it's old old school. I call, I call it the old man Connecticut. You know, real bland, really woody, kind of dry. I don't care for them. Mm. And Alan's like, hey, sour. Try that in the, in the, uh, in the base, the Gordo, but they don't call it the Gordo. I forgot what it's, what that was. It's like the, yeah, the double Toro, double Toro, double Toro. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you know, I hate six by sixties. Why would I smoke that? So I'm telling you, man, I think you'll like it. The six by six, you ought to try it. Anyway, long story short, he kept on me all day at this event about this shit. I'm like, fine. Fuck. If I go smoke one, will you please (laughs) shut the hell up? It was like, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, I tell you what, if you don't like it, I'll give you another one and I will pay for that. So give your money back for that cigar. I'm like, fine, whatever. <laughs> so when it got one and dude, I was probably about to throw it into it. I'm like, holy shit, this is freaking awesome. Yeah. Ended up buying a five pack that day to bring home just to kind of like, like, did he get in my head? 
or does it was it really that good? So I brought some more to try later on at home. But to me, it was really more had more flavor and it had a nice creaminess to it that I like in Connecticut cigars that I did not get in the rest of the Vitolas in that line at all. So, so like that's the only cigar in that reserve Connecticut that I will smoke is that double Toro. And it was just, it was just, uh, it opened my eyes a little bit. Holy shit, I got to quit saying Gordo's suck because they don't all suck. I don't like the size. It's uncomfortable to smoke. That's a personal preference thing. But, and most of the ones I have smoked would seem to be like diluted in flavor. But that's not, you, I, you can't basically just say, all Gordos are like that because it's obviously yeah. not true. We've experienced this firsthand with stuff that Coop said. Yeah. All the, the, uh, the it's it, it 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 bears noting just because we are smoking uh cigars from the my father factory and ashton has cigars made by uh by uh pepin too you know they're uh san cristobal and la roma de cuba lines yeah and the san cristobal elegancia they're connecticut gordo very good the San Cristobal Revelation Odyssey, which is their six by sixty, very good as well. Um, love both of those. I've never um, had either one of those. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, the San Cristobal Revelation Odyssey is fucking money, dude. It's really good. It's yeah, it's stupid. Um, the Animal Cracker that Pete makes for for with Dan on the surrogates line, uh, it's probably my favorite sixty outside of the DL seven hundred from La Florida Minicana. Now, I do like those, but I prefer the DL660 Maduros in that. I mean, that's that's my favorite one, which is still a larger ring age cigar, too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some really good ones. Like, to talk about the Animal Cracker, that one's always a strong-ass kind of a line anyway, so I bet the Gorda would be really up my alley in that one. I definitely prefer it over the Robusto, which is crazy. I mean, and the Cracker Crumbs are good. But I think it's a completely, I mean, it's not completely different profile, but it's just a different cigar, like as it should be. The Skip Hafke has mentioned the Jaime, speaking of my father, speaking of Pepin, the Jaime Garcia Gordo, um, the Super T or Super Torpedo or whatever they call it, the that's a that's a big gauge torpedo. That's that's fucking good too. But um but as we kind of digress into the second third, before we kind of give our thoughts on it, Ben, I did want we did want to take a break here for uh, for our uh, of course our presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by our good friends at United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Ben, you are a Southern gentleman. And I know you love uh, the state of Mississippi. Where were you born? I've, I've for the life of me, I couldn't remember this afternoon as I was trying to think about this. Okay, so my hometown is actually Gautier, Mississippi. Gautier, Mississippi. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of French names, but they've all been kind of Southern Anglicized, right? Mm-hmm. So Gautier is actually spelled G A U T I E R in French. It's Gautier, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, English speakers don't say that. So we call it Gaucher. Well, like the so. Iberville, uh, the Iberville, which is on the Gulf yeah. Coast. Yeah. They call it Diberville. Diberville. <laughs> That's how yeah, you say Diberville. Diberville. Right. Uh, 
And yeah, so that it's actually that's actually the name of the actual the first friend the first uh, f- uh, settlers in Mississippi were French, and that was the guy's name, Diaboville. I can't right. remember his first name, but um, but that city or town is named after him. Uh, so Gaucher, Mississippi. So you're a Mississippi boy. So um, so it, worth noting, or the question today has to do with the state of Mississippi, which is during whose presidency was Mississippi admitted to the Union? Was it A, James Madison, B, Andrew Jackson, C, John Tyler, or D, James Monroe? And if you want a hint, I will give you the year. Um, it's one of two. I, I'm leaning towards Andrew Jackson. I think it was Andrew Jackson. A lot of good stuff. A lot of Andrew Jackson uh, influence, obviously, in the state of Mississippi. The capital is obviously named after him and everything. Uh, but actually, it was James Monroe. December 1817 was when it was admitted to the Union. That was the other one. <laughs> so James James Madison was also president in 1817. So it was kind of, I was, I was going to get, if you had asked me for the date, I was going to, I was going to actually throw in the hook too, like, Hey, there's two presidents that were presidents during 1817. So figure out which, uh, figure out which one, but, uh, uh, yeah, December of 1817, uh, it was the 20th state admitted to the union, uh, under James Monroe. So good stuff there. Um, had some other, uh, I, instead of like presidential trivia, I had some Mississippi trivia here. I thought this would be kind of some fun to go with you a little bit. Um, uh, I I actually had, I actually had a presidential trivia one too, with the state of Mississippi. What's that? Well, I, I, I don't know how to phrase the question, but there was actually a real famous toy that actually got its start from something that happened with a president in the state of Mississippi. Famous toy. Yeah. And it started from something that happened to of um America president when he was there. Uh, oh, I've heard I've heard of this. I just oh god, this is gonna be hard. Uh um it's like a real classic too, right? Like it's like yeah. Oh <sighs> Oh shit! You should have given this question to Coop, man, because I'm going to totally fuck this up. Oh man, it fits this segment perfectly, though. Oh, Jay Davis said a slinky, <laughs> no, not a slinky. Uh, this is wrong. This is wrong, but I'm going to guess it anyway. God damn it. Is it Teddy Roosevelt and the teddy bear? Yeah, that's it. Ding, Are ding, you ding, fucking kidding me? It. That's exactly Oh, what my it is. God, dude. That was, a show, that was a total shot in the dark. You should have given this question to Coop, man. I probably would have fucked it up. Oh, well, man. Except, except that it has to do with Mississippi presidential trivia. Yeah. Bears. 
Yeah, there you go. Man, perfect, perfect so the, for the show. The story is basically he went to Mississippi and was hunting. It was on a hunting trip, and the people that were that were his. his uh, I don't, I don't remember if it was the guides or the people he was visiting that they went hunting with. But basically, what they did was they captured a blackberry, blackberry, and they tied it to a they tied it up to a tree, like a, a on a leash, and they brought him out there where he could so he could shoot the bear. He's like, I. As any as any good hunter would be like, I'm not shooting a freaking animal tied to a tree. You know, that's that's ridiculous. I'm absolutely not doing that. So he actually went in there and released the bear and let it go. So they, his nickname was Teddy Bear. That's where Teddy Bear came from. Was that? Right. Oh wow. That was exactly it though. Yeah, I've heard I've I've heard the honey story. I didn't realize it was a Mississippi. Like I said, I would, dude, that was a total shot in the dark. Yes, because it was the only toy I could think of, and especially I was like, yeah. I was like, this is a classic. Yeah, it was the only thing I could think of. Man, what a shot in the dark, man! I can't believe I pulled that off. That's crazy. That was pure luck. Well, that was pure luck. You, that, you nailed that it, though. I knew you. I knew you'd get. It. I knew you'd get it, though. Yeah, I was surprised it's actually taking you that long. To oh man, no, that was pure luck, man. That that one, I'll, that one, I'll, that one, I'll, that one, yeah, that one was pure luck. <laughs> um, I can't think of another. T- I honestly, at the time, now I can't really think of any other toy that has to do with a president. So, um, man, crazy, unbelievable. Um, what I. I was trying to think about this too, because like you know, like Andrew Jackson's like really affiliated with Mississippi, even though like he he's affiliated with the South, but like Mississippi, New Orleans, Battle of New Orleans, obviously that's where he made a name for himself and stuff. Um, and then like you know, he, which which actually happened after the treaty was signed, ending the War of eighteen twelve. Correct. Yes, which is also yeah, it's one of those fun fun pieces of fun facts and stuff. I also love that he we don't really know what he. Um, he was born in the wilderness, so at, at, at a, in a in an area that is both it is still contested by both North and South Carolina. So we still don't know what state he was born in, which is kind of cool. And then, of course, he hails from "quote unquote" Tennessee. Like that's that's you know officially when he ran for president, like he was running as a as a from the state of Tennessee, which is crazy. Like he's he's just he's all over the place. He's one of the most entertaining presidents, man. Like I, I know he's like he is yeah. obvi- he's obviously such a polarizing figure in history. Like he was an asshole. Um, but like um <laughs> there were a lot of asshole presidents, but like, he, he really takes the cake sometimes, man. But he's just such a god dude, he's such an entertaining figure. Um I mean, he literally almost had keggers at the White House every night. Where they yeah. would just his him and his friends would just tear the whole damn place up, you know. Well, it's really it what's really wrong. what's really funny is like uh, like the uh, the Walt of course you know Hollywood the Walt Disney film uh, you know Davy Crockett does this story of Davy Crockett and everything and it it it, it paints it, it paints the picture that uh, it wasn't until the the uh, the some of the Indian treaties that were signed that were Davy Crockett opposed Andrew Jackson on legislation so actually Crockett and Jackson were like butted heads all throughout politics man they really they, like politically like really didn't like each other but in the spirit of what what i find is really 
what this is what's really crazy is that like i mean these are these are passionate debates and big time topics that really separate and it's no different than today but the difference was they could still be in the same room together like they they frequently had you know jackson frequently had crockett over to the white house and they you know for these keggers and things like that and they they hung out i mean they were both from the same state and everything they just disagreed on everything it's just crazy yeah it was back in the day well political parties could work with each other at the time no <clears throat> yeah it's just oh man um yeah it yeah he's just a he's just an entertaining figure man he just really is like the fact that he beat up a would-be assassin that's my still my all-time i've did that i've retold that story on the show so many times it's just comical it's comical to me that and people pulled him off of the guy like he would have beaten them to death mm-hmm. I know that story too, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking great like it's like he beats up a would-be assassin it would have beaten the guy to death uh if other people had pulled the president off like <laughs> of him which is just nuts to me it's just crazy um but that's that's his character he was a hard ass man yeah hickory man i mean old hickory yeah i mean i tell you know tell people all the time it's like if you took like john wayne and clint eastwood you know kind of morphed them together and then you actually took like one of john wayne's characters rooster cogburn and then combined them all together that's pretty much andrew jackson Oh, that's a good dude. I love Rooster Cogburn. Um, ironically, I like the sequel better than I liked True Grit, but I like John Wayne's True Grit better than the modern day True Grit. Um, which yeah, is, I uh, liked I liked the original more. I'm a huge, huge John Wayne fan, though. You know? Yeah, me too. Favorite John, hands, fa- you fa- son of a bitch. That's <laughs> fa- my favorite quote. Favorite John Wayne movie? Go! Oh my God, are you serious? It that's that's really freaking tough, man. Honestly, um, says it. Oh man, Sans Vigo G was good. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, do I go Western? Do I go military? I mean, it's like Sans Vigo G. She wore a yellow ribbon. Ooh, she wore a yellow. Two of my favorites. Um, mine's easy. I'll tell you mine if you want to think about it some more. Great, I love Green Berets. Was freaking fantastic. Green Berets is good. Hell, Fighters. Another dude. That is such a guilty movie. pleasure, John Wayne movie. That is a shitty yes. fucking film. That yeah, is such is. a shitty fucking film. It's such a guilty <laughs> pleasure, though. I love it. I'm with you. Uh, Sam Spencer, formerly of McCall Cigars. I was hanging out with him on Friday. We were watching. Uh, we watched Casablanca. Yeah, we really tore it up, and we were. Two wild guys on a Friday night. Um, but we were talking about John Wayne films. He's like, Yeah, Hellfighters was like, oh, dude, I'm with you, man. That is such a fucking shitty film, though. It's so bad. The acting is not good. Like, it's flat out just not good. Like, I mean, yeah. John Wayne's not Lawrence Olivier or anything, but like, like, so, but like the acting overall from like every character, Catherine Ross, who's like an all-time great actress, is in that film, and she's awful. Yep. Uh John Hutton. Uh, Timothy, you know, Timothy Hutton's dad is in that film. It's by far his worst performance, but that movie's so goddamn entertaining. I love it. I love every second of it. It's so good. I do too. I, I love it. I mean, I, I mean, 
dude, one of probably one of my all time favorites too is Chisholm. I love Chisholm. Yeah, it's one of the, his best movies. Rio Lobo They're and hard. Chisholm, and one of the most historically inaccurate films ever of that era. <laughs> so, like, oh, nothing in that well, film is right. No, but I mean, you're talking about 50, 60 westerns from the fifties to sixties. Oh yeah, none of them are remotely, even partially, like half of a percent accurate. They're so they're so terrible when you think of it that way. You know, right. um, Sons of Katie Elder is another one that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so my favorite John Wayne film is Rio Bravo. Yeah, Rio Bravo is absolutely fantastic. I've watched it over a hundred times, like easily, since I was Mm -hmm. a kid. My parents, my mother hates that film because I watched it so much. Um, She hates Angie Dickinson because I've watched that film so much. (laughs) And Angie Dickinson's easily the worst part of that movie, but that's fine. Um, I've, I've, oh God. My son, my, it's the greatest joy in my life. My seven-year-old son will watch that movie with me, and he loves it. And he loves Walter Brennan's character, who he plays a character named Stumpy. And that's how he'll ask to watch it. My my son, my seven-year-old son will be like, Daddy, can we watch Stumpy? I'm like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. It's great. Um, Jay brings up a great one. So um, the man who shot Liberty Valance yeah. is, I think... I think overall is probably the best made John Wayne film and by far the best acting performance from both John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. I think that movie is incredible. Yeah, I do too. Um, Lee Marvin's sensational in that movie too. I agree. I don't know if it was his best, the best acting when the, I don't know. In Harm's Way and The Longest Day are two like iconic ones set where. Yeah. The Longest those Day. Those were amazing. His acting. The Longest Day is, is really good. It's fantastic, but that's like an all star cast too, though. You know? So, th- I mean, those, those are amazing movies. You know, and also, you know, you had some that were kind of, I didn't even know how they would even be made or shown, but like, like the Cowboys, you know, with, with the little kids. Yeah. That's well, a great, one film. of the only movies, one of the only movies he was killed in. Yeah. So yeah. that was the last John Wayne film that my father ever let me watch. He just, he just said it was, he, he, uh, he was just so concerned about the violence the scene with the, the prostitutes and stuff yeah. like it was just it, the violence was just very especially the especially the death scene is just so it's it's the most real that he's that in all of his films like with the exception of like the opening of big jake where they kidnap yeah. the boy that's that's dude that's horrific like i won't let my kids watch big jake yet like that's just it's horrifically violent the both the the opening scene and the ending are I mean I think at this point it would it would traumatize my seven year old like it's it's very real and I would never let him watch the Cowboys at this point either but the Cowboys was the last the, was the last John Wayne film um, that I watched I've watched everything else like my dad and I watched every, like we went through his IMDb dude like for the most part like 
I, I mean, I've even dabbled into some of like his B movies, like from like the twenties mm-hmm. and thirties. Um, yeah. Like he, uh, um, and it's just, yeah, but I've, I've, I, I don't know if I've watched every single film he's ever made. It's like, he's like been in like 210 films, but I probably would say I've seen about 90% of them. Same here. I, I mean, my dad was an absolute John Wayne fanatic. I mean, it, it's, I mean, in my office, I have this massive giant artwork that he had done by somebody. And it was, it's, it's him, it's, it's him as Chisholm walking in with the, with the Winchester 94 in his hand. Oh, nice. It's, you know, and the craziest thing is, even when I was little, I always thought my dad kind of looked like John Wayne, but he walked exactly like fucking John Wayne. The way that, <laughs> that kind of that, that stagger that's, yes, he did the exact same thing, yeah. you know? And I don't know if, if it was, he was always like that, but you know, like John Wayne, he kind of walked like that because he had, he had a uh, degenerative uh, knee problem. Which mm-hmm. is why he couldn't go in the military. Yeah, he had, it's the he old football injury when he played knees. at USC. Yeah, he played at USC. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He was actually it was a running back at USC, and he had to quit that because of the knee problems too. You know, but it's but he that's why he said like he couldn't join the military. So his best thought what he could do was, you know, help raise money with war bonds and mm-hmm. you know, kind of put out these movies about World War Two. You know, the kind of like in his way helped the war effort as well the best yeah. that he could um i mean he's got he's got a lot of character flaws too but he was but i mean he's kind of was a man of his times as well you know but yeah. um another movie i always thought that was kind of <laughs> ironic was um the shootist his last, his last, his last film dying yeah. gunman and he was dying too which i mean he, and he didn't know at the time so his character was dying of stomach cancer, and at the time, he didn't know he had stomach cancer mm-hmm. until after it was over. Because so a lot of the, the times they show him in pain, he was actually in pain for real life. Yeah, so they just kind of shot around it. You know, the big theory is um, I forgot exactly what movie movie it was. I can't remember which one it was, but basically they, he filmed one of his Westerns in the desert where, where they actually were testing the nuclear bombs. So was it, was it Hondo the, where he got, where he got the, where I the, don't the remember cancer? If it was, I don't remember if it was Hondo. That might've been too early, but yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I know. Yeah. I don't remember which one it was, but they basically they filmed it in the desert where this was at. They were basically standing, they were filming a movie on radioactive land. But at the time, we didn't understand how the you know nuclear bombs. We do we do know they had they emitted radiation, and but then it's you know, that it stuck around. Yeah. they didn't know how bad it stuck around. Yeah, so pretty much like they was there was like seven stars of that movie, and I can't remember which one it was. Top of my head now, they all died of cancer after after they filmed that. Crazy. So, but yeah, I mean, I. My dad started still that to be was a big John Wayne fan. I mean, whatever you know, like I bet tomorrow somebody's going to be doing, you know, a a marathon of John Wayne, you know, war movies, mm-hmm. you know, probably AMC or something like that. Now I, I would we would sit there, my dad and we would watch them the whole time. 
Oh God, that for a thousand percent. So there, the, one of the last movies. I'm also a fan of the uh, Cahill U.S. Marshal. Yeah, one of his last ones. Uh, George Kennedy was in it and stuff, and uh, they were they were buddies going way back. I'm trying to remember, but like the difference, it could have been Hondo. Hondo was was in '53, so it definitely wasn't Hondo. Um. Oh God. Here we go. So Cahill U.S. Marshall was in 1973. The shootest was three years later in 76, right? Yeah. Like, and then the Rooster Cogburn, the sequel to True Grit, was in 75, was the year before. And Brannigan, where he plays a modern-day detective, was in 75. Okay, so those three films, like, from the Cahill U.S. Marshall, three years, to those three films, two and three years later, like he aged 20 years. Like oh, he doesn't even look. Far. He doesn't even look. Like, I mean, he was like it, earlier on, he was a little bit more. He was a big, he's always a bigger guy, but like he was more in shape, obviously. He still looked like John Wayne and he felt like younger. Like he felt like John Wayne and Cahill U.S. Marshall. Mm-hmm. But like Brannigan. Rooster Cogburn, the sequel, and then, and then, uh, um, the shootist. I mean, it was just, it was an old man, an old, big, rundown guy. You right. Know? And I remember it because I remember it was Brannigan when I watched. I was like, damn, he looks old, you know, like looks so different in Brannigan. That yeah. That's what I really noticed was in that movie. Yeah. And, and, Look, I mean, he didn't like. It's not like he lived lived a clean life, man. Like, I mean, the guy, the guy liked it. The guy liked his booze, and he smoked for years, and you know all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, that stuff kind of that kind of have you know that kind of wildlife takes its toll um, on anyone. But like, the, yeah, it just it never really, I never really figured it out, or it never really sat with me until I saw that kind of realized that where it was in the timeline. I just watched all his films where Cahill U S Marshall mm-hmm. was in the timeline. It's like, Oh, it was towards the end, man. And then you watch the shootest, which is three years later. And you're like, Holy crap. I know. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, man, we really went off the chain here. So anyway, that was our presidential <laughs> trivia <laughs> segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Vanna, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, Firecracker, the highly acclaimed, Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso Lions from Selected Tobacco. Smoke wins today and start living United. Check. Uh, t- hey, so starting on June 14th, Flag Day, we're going to celebrate 20 days of freedom by smoking 20 United Cigars. There are 20 cigars in a United box. United Cigars, any Vitola, there are 20 cigars. And so it's perfect. So we're going to light up a United Cigar each day from starting on Flag Day, June 14th. I will be pure poetry. I will be in England. So I'm going to be, I'm going to throw down my own little tea party by smoking United Cigars in uh, across the pond starting on June 14th, Flag Day, and then for 20 days to our nation's Independence Day. So from Flag Day, June 14th to July 4th, our Independence Day is 20 days. It's perfect. Buy a box of United Cigars. We're going to be following along our journey on Instagram. Uh, we're going to have 20 days of freedom, 20 days celebrating 20 uh, uh, 20 days of United, um, and uh, going to be smoking a great uh, great cigar each day and uh, and celebrating United Cigars. So follow along with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
So, um, all righty. Um, wanted to also bring up before we kind of did our second, third thoughts, uh, uh, Ben wanted to bring up, uh, uh, our charity segment, which we do here every week and everything. And I was really excited. I thought, I, ironically, I thought about, uh, uh, the Gulf coast, uh, uh, the Gulf coast community fund. Um, but you brought up something that's a little local to you, which is, uh, the Mana food bank, which is based there in Asheville. So, uh, talk to us a little bit why you chose this charity and, uh, why it's so important to you. Yeah. Well, we, we were talking about, you know, which charity we want to pick for tonight. And I had a lot in my mind, a lot, a lot of different ones. There's so many good charities to give to. And, um, the reason I picked that one, the Mana Food Bank, was I, I mean, actually, when we were talking about this, I was actually working on our food truck at one of the breweries locally here this afternoon. And I thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we could do something that had to do with food. And the Mana Food Bank does a lot of work in, in not just Asheville, but in the Buncombe County area, which is the county that Asheville sits in. Um, they do a lot of work around here and there's, we have a massive homeless population in Asheville. Now there's many reasons for that. Um, uh, one of the main reasons is, is honestly, because the weather here, does it get real hot? Does it get really cold? It's, it's really temperate most of the year, all year round, really good weather. So, and they do a lot of work, you know, feeding a lot of needy families and stuff. And, um, a matter of fact, my son's school, they, they, they do food drive for them to, as well. And I thought, you know, that's a great one. Let's, let's uh, see, if we can help out the, these people that are in a lot of need, you know, especially right now. The, I mean, we like, for instance, like, I, you know, something that made me really open my eyes was we had the COVID lockdowns, right. And a lot of the schools were out and, I remember reading this uh, article about how a lot of students, especially elementary kids, that the only meal they might have got that day was from school. And them not going to school, they had nothing to eat the whole day. Oh, wow. And I was like, that is so fucked. Like, I, I can't even believe that the, uh, the, this country, as prosperous as we are, we still have kids that can't there's no food yeah and you know it's just unbelievable and you know mana food bank helps with that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so i thought it'd be a pretty good charity you know that we could you know kind of highlight tonight for for that reason yeah uh check out um manafoodbank.org it's a really great organization um and it's Really, man, it's such a, I mean, dude, if you check out their page too, the amount of people that are involved with this, uh, this, um, this charity in, in Western North Carolina, it's just fantastic, man. And, and there's a big picture of the group that, uh, that does it, that it works there, um, right on the front page and stuff. Um, I think it's, it's also worth noting too, that like they've just gotten some amazing, uh, amazing programs with this too so it's not just uh it's it's not just like uh in the area too but what they've what they've kind of they've made it a part of the community too so it's not just 
their mission, but they've also kind of embedded it there in the community and everything from everything that I've been able to see. And uh, what's also, I mean, they've got a lot of people like on staff. I mean, this is like a staff, they have like a staff of like 12 people, which for a small area, for a small area um, charity is, is, is pretty cool that they have so many people. So it's, it's clearly supported by the community, which is fantastic. I know I talk a lot about like veterans issues on the show. I talk a lot about, um, uh, humane society and, you know, taking care of, uh, you know, animals and everything on the show as well. Like those are probably two of my biggest passions, but like one of the ones that I, I, I don't talk about as much, but one of the biggest passions I've always had is, is, is about hunger and you, and you nailed it, Ben, like hunger in this country is, is such a unfortunate, huge problem that we have, which is like you said, in 2023, you know, well, all these great restaurants are popping up and everything, you know, that, that, and, you know, it's, it, there's this kind of food revolution going on in this country, you know, because beef, uh, the world is shrinking. And so we have like these great fusions and these great ability, you know, this great ability to, to, to sample some great cuisines from all over the country, all over the world, you know, pretty much within our fingertips at any point. And yet there's still people that go hungry every day. And it's just, it, it's, it's probably, it's probably one of our greatest tragedies here in this country. Like, yeah, it, it really is. And like, and you know, another thing too, is I have, I have a few friends in the rest, rest, restaurant industry. And I remember I was talking to one of my friends that was, they were like basically throwing away a lot of food. And I was like, dude, why don't you donate that to like one of the food banks and stuff and he was like we can't we're not allowed to i'm like how the hell what do you mean you're not allowed to who the hell's telling you can't do it and <clears throat> partially was there's laws about you know the food and where how it's been handled and where, what you could do after it and all that stuff but the real fear honestly was donating food and the litigious nature of our society to where Oh, somebody might get sick or something. They blame the food and then they sue, they sue the company or the restaurant for for the food that they donated to help out needy people. And I'm like, holy crap, that's ridiculous. That that's what's stopping, you know, people that need this from getting it, you know, but that's the world we live in nowadays, I guess. I know, yeah. but to me, it's kind of fucked up to be totally honest, you know, but I mean, restaurants most of them are hanging on by thread anyway especially after covid what they all had to win through the ones that did survive are still still not fully recovered you know so it's hard for them you know but but the man at food bank also does have partnerships with several restaurants too you know to where they can get stuff that like say a bakery has a bunch of, of bread that they they bread that they baked that day and they didn't sell all of it they could donate that you know or whatever so they have a lot of those partnerships too, which is really cool. But I know I like you know we, we the same thing. Like I I'm we, we're a military family, so you know veteran causes you know is, is big with us as well. You know, ironically that I know I just said I'm a hunter, but I'm also an animal lover. My whole my, especially my son, I, I can't even I, like taking him hunting is almost impossible because he's like got such a soft heart like we talked about this before right he's talked about wanting to be a zookeeper like your wife because he loves animals or a vet because he loves animals so that's you know it, we, you know we're we got three dogs so dogs have always been a big part like my birthday 
always choose this dog sanctuary in Tennessee where basically it's for senior dogs, you know, that were either in a shelter and nobody adopted them or they were with a family that can't take care of anymore. They're able to go live at this sanctuary in Tennessee where they got, they can live out their life. Huge areas to go run and play, you know, they're well-fed and all that. You know, I do that for every every birthday. And ironically enough, one of the biggest donors, every time I do that, that being right there, right behind me, mm-hmm. always, always. So good. He's a big dog lover, too. We, we yeah. talked about this on, on the show we've had together, you know. So I kind of want to pick something a little bit different from what we normally do, too, and go with another topic that, you know, that we're both kind of passionate about, too. It's like trying to help out people, you know, that, that mm-hmm. need need this and they need food though yeah there's there's again there's a lot of great organizations that tackle this issue because it is a it is a global issue but for a a lot of people um i i haven't really gotten this commentary in like a horribly negative way um but we've talked about uh i think it's a positive i i do get a lot of people who do like this this is a this is very much a local charity you know, this is this is based in Nashville, where you where you reside now, and um, and I've gotten a lot of commentary about people who are like, man, I really like that some people are picking that pick local charities, and I'm like, I do too. I think it's really cool because this, you know, as 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 global as we are, like I said, the world is shrinking now, and as you know, the issue tonight being hunger, like hunger is a global issue. It's it's very much a national issue for us, and you know, and for you there in Asheville, it's 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 also a very a very large local issue too. And so the fact that we can kind of spotlight it a little bit and, and kind of bring it home for some people is, is, is really great. And this is a great organization. This is a great place to get a start. So uh, check it out. If you, if you feel called everyone, go ahead and hit the link that I have in the chat. I'll put it also in the show notes too. Um, you know, donate, you know, donate to this, uh, to this great cause and, and, and put some, put some much needed food into the mouths of some hungry folks. And, uh, and uh, it's a, it's a good organization. So check it out. Uh, I'll be making a small donation later on tonight, uh, Ben, in, in in your family's honor. So thank you so much for bringing it to our attention today. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, all right. Um, let's bring it back to uh, the Avion 13 uh, Tuxla. Uh, we'll talk. We'll give our thoughts on the second third. You want to go ahead and get it started here, Ben? Yeah, let's go ahead. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another edition of the Smoking Syndicate uh, Cigar Reviews here. Uh, we are in doing a special collaboration today. Uh, we are also featuring this review on Elos Fumar Takes Take 252. Uh, I'm Barry Duplessis uh, here at the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. And I'm here with Ben Lee of the Tatuaje uh, Studios of Black Mountain, North Carolina. And we're smoking the Tatuaje Pride. We're smoking the Tatuaje Avion 13 Tuxla was released last year out of the my father factory in nicaragua it's got the san andres uh tuxla uh wrapper uh and then it's uh got a binder and filler from nicaraguan so we're we're this is uh we're into the second third here um so here are our second third thoughts uh ben uh how was that second third uh how'd that second third wrap up for you um the second third for me got a little bit more savory and less sweet um like I'm, I'm still getting some of the main notes. Like I'm still getting the, the, 
the the leather and the the cedar and the black pepper the black pepper's kind of faded a little bit more into the background but now and i don't know if this is from our, our coffee talk earlier but i'm getting that that cocoa note but to me what it reminds me of now is that i'm getting like a little bit of a of a coffee bitterness and like an espresso what it, what it reminds me mm-hmm. of are the chocolate covered espresso beets that's the kind of the flavor that i get now that's it's and it's really freaking tasty because I love those damn things, I really do. Um, but I that's kind of where that chocolate note and that coffeeness, bit coffee bitterness is kind of coming in, and it it tastes really good. But it's kind of like I'm not getting really any of that that dark fruit note, that, you know, the stone fruit. Like you it said, figgy. But I was thinking more of like plummy kind of something like that. I don't really get that anymore. Like to me, it's completely gone for me. Um, so basically what I'm getting is that chocolate covered espresso bean, um, cedar, leather, a little bit of earthiness, um, and, and a little bit of black pepper. What about you? Yeah, for me, the, uh, like you said, the richness is kind of, uh, kind of fall off in a little bit, but it's still pretty complex cigar, uh, in the second, third for me. Um, I started getting, uh, well, the, the fig notes started to dissipate a little bit. I started to get, I, I, I said at the final of the first third that that, that star and anise had kind of gone away. It came back in the second third for me. So I got a little bit of that licorice note uh, that kind of was balanced by the coffee that we were talking about. Yeah, I totally dig, I totally dig what you're saying. A real nice earthy espresso kind of, kind of sprouted out in the second third. Uh, the black pepper on the nose and on the retrohale was still very prominent for me. Um the uh, the finish is becoming shorter and shorter on the retro hill, so it's definitely a more medium finish, uh, bordering on short now. And um, the uh, the the interesting note uh, that I noted from this second third was as I as you kind of finish the cigar and you're uh, finishing the puff and you're uh, like the retro hill is coming off in the end of that finish. I am you know I would be putting my tongue against my palate. And I would get this very uh, distinct, but not like overwhelming, but very distinct peanut note. So I'm getting a little bit of peanuts there on the back end. And then that leathery component's still there to kind of balance everything out too. So uh, still balanced, still complex, uh, lost a lot of the richness, uh, unfortunately. I'm hoping uh, it kind of returns a little bit. Uh, otherwise, this this has the potential to get a little muddled. Uh, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about it, but I'm keeping an eye on it for this, uh, for the last third. Yeah. I mean, the same here. It, we didn't talk about this, but to me, it's more, I, I still think it's medium, medium strength, medium body and medium full of flavor. Um, I'm kind of with you too. Like to me, the finish got a little bit shorter as well for me. But um, it still lingers around long enough to where you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what we'll go ahead and do is we'll finish off the cigar. We'll be back in a minute to let you know our final thoughts and our score. See you in a second. There we go. Cool. Yeah, you know what I was sitting there thinking the whole time is like I need to go get like some really good licorice not like twizzler shit but like you know really good like yeah. black licorice or whatever I, I don't like it but i want to i want to eat it just so i mean i don't maybe i do like it now hell i had had it in freaking decades maybe i like it now maybe my chase has changed i don't know but i felt like i need it i need to go eat some mm-hmm. 
just to put that in my, you know, my flavor bank. My dad so, was always a fan of it. He loved black jelly beans. He loved black licorice. Yeah. Um, so I remember nostalgically, I remember the aroma that it gives off when someone's eating it. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the one that's kind of embedded in my head. I've had some really good black licorice lately. It's something that's good. I don't gravitate towards it. I do love, I do love, I know you and I are both fans of Toscano. Um, I love oh, yeah. the Toscano uh, 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 anise flavored cigars, the anise, the anise flavored cigars. Those I, are so fucking good. I didn't, really good. That. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, they have. Huh. Um, so it's really good. They're really good. And it's very prominent. Like the, that licorice, fennel, vegetal, star anise kind of thing. It, it has some nice degree. Obviously, it's a Toscana, so it has some nice sweetness to it, too. So it balances out some of that bitterness. But it's really yeah. good. It's, I love those cigars. You know, and ironically enough, too, like, there's a lot of fragrances on the market that actually use that as a note. And one of my favorites that I, that I have is, is called Versace Man. It's discontinued now, but it's but it's one of my favorites. And it was really popular at the time. And it, one of its main notes is like that anise, anise note is in there. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot of them that do that. Um, and a lot of times they'll discontinue fragrances or they'll redo them because there's um, an organization called, it's, it's IFRA, it's French, but I, I forgot what it the, the initials stand for. But basically, they regulate components that go in into different perfumes or whatnot, and if they determine one's an allergen. They they ban it, where you cannot use that note anymore. So a lot of companies will reformulate or they'll kill it off. And I don't know if that's what happened with that one, but it's one of my favorites. And it does have a kind of a a dominant anise smell to it. So I, I would recognize the smell. But it's just a flavor that I don't I don't know. I, I, I haven't had black licorice in God knows how long. I mean, probably I was probably still in junior high. Maybe the last time that I had it, you know, but I feel and I know like now I, I've noticed this is kind of weird. Maybe it's all, all the, you know, the weird hipster shit, I guess, that comes out. But I've been noticing like you can get like high end or, or artisan licorice now. Like I see ads on Facebook all the time. Yeah. You know? Well, now that we're talking about it, it's going to be all in their Facebook feeds too. So just, you know, oh, you, cause, of course cause it is. our phones are least, our phones are listening constantly. So <laughs> yeah, no, but I just started thinking about that. Like, I, I feel like I would, I would like to try some of the, like the, you know, not the, you know, crappy stuff we had when I was a kid, but like some good artisanal black licorice. Like I said, to have that in, in my flavor, flavor rolodex basically yeah you know so you know because the only way you'll have you'll recognize notes you know like because like when we we, we've talked about this ad nauseum but like when you know when you recognize flavor of cigars it's because you've had it before you smelled it or you tasted it or whatever in your past well like we're talking about this i'm not picking that note up but it's because i don't eat anything with you know, Starties, the, the licorice qualities. Yeah, yeah it, I'm not, I don't eat that stuff. So, uh, I mean, I've had it before, but it's been so long. I don't remember what it tastes like. So I'm not going to pick that flavor up because I won't recognize it at all. Right. Right. So I probably, I mean, and we've, we've talked about this. Uh, there was one other cigar we did a while back that you, you picked it up. You and Aaron both picked it up. Right. And I didn't because I didn't know it. So, 
you know, when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, I need to go, I need to go try that. So, you know, it's like, like when I'm cooking as well too, if I'm cooking with something, you know, I'll, with the herb or, or whatever, you know, I like to taste it on its own. So I know exactly what it would be like in the food, you know, or how it would go well with, you know, meshing with other components that I'm putting in the recipe or whatever. Do you ever, do you make but, mold wine at Christmas time? Oh my God. I love mold wine. Love it. Throw love it. next, next year. When you do mold wine, throw a, throw a, throw a piece or two of star anise in it. I'll do that. Yeah. 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 You saw what I do. We actually have a really good uh, German restaurant right here in black mountain and, and the Biltmore estate, the, the famous Biltmore we have here. They actually sell bottles of mold wine. So all you gotta sure. do is basically pour it in a crock pot or something like that, heat up. Right. And so I, I don't really make the mixes really, but I'll definitely do that next time because I want to try the flavor out. You know, I, I want that in my repertoire. So yeah. I'll give that a shot. So yeah, the I mean the thing with mold wine or like like blue blue vine, German, which is essentially German blue German mold wine is essentially what it is, same thing. The clove is so overwhelming that even if you throw a couple of pieces of star anise, it's not gonna it's not gonna tamper with it too much. It's gonna just add a different dynamic to it. Um, Mitch says, by the way, he's a big black licorice fan. Try Parato's black licorice. They are chewy but hard, uh, but hard salted black licorice. Interesting. Salted black licorice. I've never heard of that. Mm, me either. But Mitch is apparently a black licorice fan, so if he likes it, yeah. But is is that a Canadian thing? Like. I mean, I know we're all interconnected with the interwebs and shit now. Probably could order online, but like, I've never heard of that in my life. Right. I wonder, is that just a Canadian? Is that a Canadian candy? We'll, we'll, we'll figure out. Mitchell will give us an answer. But this is actually a great segue, uh, Ben, into our next and newest segment here on Ellis Fumar Takes. So it's Everybody Eats, sponsored by Postania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postani Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Postania, everybody eats. So, Ben, this is obviously the segment is about food. And I thought this would be uh, an interesting time. So I have several some questions. There are about three or four questions in this category that I'll rotate out with guests and everything. But I thought it would be fun to do this specific question with you. What is the food or dish that you love that you would not have tried otherwise if you had not been offered or forced to or served by someone else? Oh, uh, I have several, but the one that I tried, and it's not so much that I had an aversion to it. It was just like I never thought of this, was actually a seafood pizza. and. I had it. It was actually goes back to the story I was talking about earlier. Well, it was at the Outer Banks, North Carolina, duck hunting. Okay. And my best friend from from kindergarten till when we graduated high school, um, he, he and his family they moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. So when I got done, I was actually um, drove up to Raleigh. Um, my cousin dropped me off the, his house in Raleigh, and he had a friend that he he was working with at the time that. His parents were from Sicily. They they spoke no English, right? So, and this was New Year's night, New Year's Eve night. So, we went to go eat at their house, and his mom and dad, or really his mom, made this massive Sicilian spread of food. And I didn't know at the time, 
Sicilians, especially or Italians, they they throw down on New Year's Eve all kinds of food. Nice. And one of the things that she made was like this really thick pizza. It was like almost like it was just real doughy, right? Mm-hmm. But it had like this seafood concoction over the top of it. I had never seen that before in my life. I, I didn't even know what the hell it was. But I just remember like she couldn't speak English, but she could go eat, eat, you need to eat. And that's all all I'll heard her say in English. <laughs> and she she served that on my plate. I was kind of like, what is that? Because uh, I didn't recognize it. But later I know now, I actually looked it up uh, a few <laughs> A few months back, because I was telling the story to another friend of mine, and it's a traditional Sicilian seafood pizza, but basically had like, you know, um, I can't remember all that was on it, but, you know, had like calamari and some fish on there. Yeah. And it was some kind of like, um, it didn't have, was it tomato based? It was had, it had some kind of like uh mixture that she made up, almost like a scapy mixture or something like that, but it had capers in it and stuff. Oh, damn. It was freaking awesome dude it was so good everything she made that night was nice. like holy shit a religious experience but this one i remember thinking this is so cool i've never seen nothing like this in my life but uh, apparently it's it's a traditional sicilian type seafood pizza and it, everybody there eats it but i had never seen it before and which is weird because new orleans has a massive italian population Mm-hmm. And most of it is there was a massive Sicilian migration to New Orleans in the 1880s. So a lot of the, the, the Italian food you get in New Orleans is Sicilian based. And I, I've never seen this before, oh. but that's the one I could, that really just immediately popped in my head was that one. Nice. So Mitch said that Parados, by the way, is a Danish thing, not Canadian. So, oh. so, yeah, uh, it's a, it's interesting you said about uh, the uh, um, seafood pizza. So uh, I never thought about putting seafood on pizza either. Um, and the last few years, ever since COVID and everything, we've uh, our family's kind of started this new tradition. We went down to Galveston and we would spend a weekend in Galveston. And we would, you know, we usually get an Airbnb right on the seawall. And there's mm-hmm. this very uh, every time I mention this to people who like have been to Galveston or to live in Galveston or live near Galveston, they're like, oh, it's such a tourist spot. But I'm like, I don't care. It's fucking good. It's <laughs> Mario's Seawall Italian and Pizzeria. Um, it's been there for freaking forever, apparently. And we just stumbled upon it. You know, we we're a bunch of tourists. So, I mean, perfect. But they have this pizza there that I, I've gotten both. of. There's two of them. They're both seafood based. The, uh, the first one is the spicy shrimp pizza. So it's got shrimp. Sun-dried tomatoes, roasted red peppers, Roma tomatoes, and it's very spicy, which is great. And they also have the buccaneer, which is shrimp and crawfish, which is totally right up your alley. Um, yes. Both are fucking fantastic. I love it. So good. So good. Yeah, we lived at Gallison for about a year. when my um, Before we actually officially moved to Houston, my wife was a travel nurse in, in a um, hospital that she ended up getting a full-time position at. But she lit. We she was living in an apartment in Galveston, so we we stayed at Galveston a lot. And I've never been there. I, I've never been to that one. But there was a there was a. You've place. never been to the tourist trap? Wow. No. Dude. Yeah, I feel even worse now. You lived there but, for years. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a uh, there was a place right off the strand there 
that was called, if I remember right, the name was Mama Teresa. Was the name that's what it. everyone tells me to go get. Everyone time I tell okay. everyone time I mention Mario Seawall, they're like, oh, you gotta go to Mama Teresa's, man. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Everything in that plate is see, it's really it's a pizzeria, right? But they have some amazing pasta dishes. Nice. And it's some of the best pizza and some of the best pasta I've ever had, bar none, was was at Mama Teresa's. It's fantastic. Sweet. I mean, it was awesome. I don't know if we can break tradition this year, but I, I want, I've wanted to try. Um, I've wanted to try it. There's some, there's some cool spots, man. Galveston's got some great food. We've done some hole in the wall, seafood places and stuff. We try to always eat seafood there just because we're right there in the water. So it makes sense. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a cool city, man. Uh, it's really underrated. A lot of history, yeah. which is cool. Um, oh, it's amazing history. Oh, amazing history there, especially uh, with during like prohibition. And illegal gambling that they used to mm-hmm. have on the piers. Yeah, I, I never. I was actually um, um, Jennifer Nicole. You know that our yeah our, yeah 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 from uh, uh, Hiram and Solomon. Yeah. Yes. Well, she used to. She was. She used to be the manager for one of the cigar shops, the big cigar shops there. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Havana House, if I remember right. But um, I was there one day, and her and another guy were, were telling me about some of the history. Like so, basically that the that place where Havana House was that if I remember if that was the right name I can't remember if that was the name or not, but basically that building has been all kinds of stuff. Like for a while, it was a whorehouse. That's why there's a bunch of little rooms <laughs> in there we could go hang out in and have a cigar. But they used to, they told me this was this was the coolest thing ever. So if you've ever been to Galveston, there's the the piers are really long. They're really long piers to go out for quite a ways, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they, they used to do illegal gambling at the end of the pier. They would have illegal slot machines and all kinds of stuff. And it was, but there was a band playing at the, at the front of the pier, right? They, they have like a little party kind of going on on the shore where the pier's at. And then all the legal gambling was at the very the end of it. Well, and I forgot the name of the song, but when the revenue agents would show up or, or the cops would show up, the band would start playing this certain tune. I think it was the Yellow uh, Yellow Rose of Texas. It was the Yellow Rose of Texas. They would start playing that song and would alert the guys at the end to get rid of all the gambling stuff. But what they would actually do was hoist the the slot machines over the side down into the water and hide them. So nice. when the cops got to end down there, when they finally made it, there was nothing there. And they would leave. They would hoist them back up and go back to gambling again. I thought it was the coolest damn thing ever, man. It was just Galveston has a crazy, crazy history for such a, a small area. I mean, yeah. a historian could. Well, and then spend their June, life Juneteenth spawns from there. That's where the news of uh, emancipation landed, is in Galveston, you know, for the South. That was the first place in the South that, that, uh, that uh, slaves found out they were free. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's wild. It's, it, yeah. Um, uh, the other place that we really like, we discovered this last time. Uh, so my wife has some friends that worked at the zoo that you, that actually they still live down in, and in, in, and they recommended this place. It's called Gypsy Joint. Uh, really cool. Yeah, really cool spot. Um, um, just fantastic, fantastic food. Uh, very, you know, like New American. Um, but they have some really cool, like, like local stuff, like Cajun stuff like that. So, um, 
the family who owns it uh, actually hailed from the Carolinas and they moved there and they opened up the oh, spot. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's the whole family and everything. It's one of the, some of the best food, some of the best food I've, uh, I've, been, I've enjoyed. It's really good stuff. Really, really. And one of the best coffee, coffee houses I've ever been to is in Galveston too. It's, it's Mod's Coffee House, M-O-D. It's, a, it's freaking awesome. It's the coffee there is absolutely fantastic. One of the best I've ever been into. Nice. I was trying to think of some other place we went to when we we're down there. Um, there was one, if I remember, it's called Sunshine or Sunflower. I think it's Sunshine Bakery. But it's freaking awesome. It, it's mm. some of the best food I've ever had too. It's a great breakfast place. It's mainly what it is. It's a breakfast and lunch place. They're not even, I don't even think they're open at night, but it's checked that one out too. It was one of my favorite places. I was there. This is got a great food scene. You know, it really does. Yeah. I think it's you know. totally underrated, man. I've really, I really enjoy, I really enjoy eating when I'm down there. It's really good. It's really good stuff. Um, for me, the dish that was forced upon me that I absolutely love and it, it, people get a kick out of it every time. Cause I think it's, I think it's delicious. Rocky mountain oysters. Uh, which yes is cow testicle and yes. and it was paired it was prepared really well and it's really good <laughs> it was really good i'll just say oh yeah you know that reminds me that the one other one was lingua yeah cow tongue cow tongue man that stuff's good now, man when it's done right I, yes i did not know how freaking awesome that tastes until um I was actually living in Tallahassee and we were at my buddy's shop and this um, family, I don't know how they got to Tallahassee, but basically they bought a food truck. It, it was just, it was just a taco truck, mm-hmm. real simple, but it was some of the best tacos I've had outside of Houston, Texas. To me, Houston's got some of the best taco places ever, but it was freaking awesome. Right. And anyway, we used to go eat lunch here all the time. And this guy showed up and came to the shop and kind of, you know, hung out with us this one day. And he was, you know, we were talking, you know, we talked to the guests and he was like, yeah, he brought his daughter to Florida State. You know, and he was just, you know, he brought her up there and he wanted to, you know, she was doing some kind of orientation thing. So he came out of the cigar shop and hung out. Well, long story short, he's actually a chef and I forgot where they were from, but he was a chef. And I was, I, it's almost said, hey, I'm going to go grab some tacos to this place. You know, would you would you like anything? He says, "Yeah, give me some lingua tacos if they have it." I'm like, "Well, they do have it." So I said, "Okay, well, I'll get you some." So anyway, I go there and I get like a, a, a three pack of lingua tacos, and I came back. He says, "You know, we were talking to him. He said, have you ever had lingua?" I said, "No, nah, man, I have really no interest in eating a cow tongue." He's like, "You really ought to try it, man. I think you would like it." It's, I really said, "Yeah." So he gave me one of the tacos. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was yeah, so, so good. good. It's like it's like filet mignon. It really is. It's got a great mm. beefy flavor, but it's such a tender like steak texture. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. so good, man. Dude, I, I gotta tell you that I've I've actually prepared both now in my life. I've I've made lingua and I've also made Rocky Mountain oysters. I am more grossed out by the original product of beef tongue than I am of like cow testicles. Like like the way it looks beef tongue when you like first get it and the way that it's prepared and how you boil and then you pull off the the outer skin and to get to the tender meat and stuff it's disgusting it's it's horrific man like it'll scar you fucking for life (laughs) but it's so worth it it's so worth it so good awesome yeah we've actually we've made it here we were actually messing around with some stuff with a food truck before he opened it up and we made some lingua tacos and they were unbelievable 
so good. But cool. yeah. All right. Well, that is the Everybody Eats uh, new segment from uh, here on Ellis Fumar Takes, uh, sponsored by Pastani Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastani Cigars is more than just great cigars uh, made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Pastania. Everybody eats. So, uh, Ben, I thought before we got into the last third here, I would probably cook up one more segment here. And then I thought we could wrap up with a couple more segments here to, to conclude the night. So, uh, you've participated this one in quite a bit. So, I, 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 I know I, I recognize it's probably a little bit hard to come up with a, a unique experience. But I love I love this segment and I love talking about just the uh, the idea of kind of being in your own refuge because uh, it's our next segment, of course, sponsored by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Uh, ben, just a reminder what the segment's all about is that moment, uh, you know, we smoke cigars all the time. We smoke on part of a community. We do it digitally all the time uh, as well um as much as we hang out on these shows um you know we actually still get together digitally <laughs> and, uh, remotely and still smoke and talk uh, all the time and uh we, sh- we constantly cigar- share cigars back and forth and everything but uh, some of the greatest moments we can have are with cigars and they're typically by themselves uh, a lot of times especially lately um you know, what's a moment that stands out where it's just you and the cigar? If you can recall, what was the cigar and what was the moment about? Yeah, so but this is actually really recently. Um, I mean, we, we have the real famous Blue Ridge Parkway right here. Um, and of course, it goes up the mountains and everything. Um, the largest, the actually the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi is right here in my backyard. It's called Mount Mitchell. And the Blue Ridge Parkway, actually, you get on it kind of close to my house, and it goes up to Mount Mitchell, um, and then it comes back comes back around down at the, uh, our county next over to us. But um, anyway, when you go up top of the Blue Ridge, there's a lot of areas where the Department of the Interior actually made these uh, vistas, where, areas where you can look over, look out over, over top of the, the valleys and the mountains or whatever. And... I remember we were just driving around, look at it. it. Was it was a it was earlier this year when the leaves started changing color, and we have a lot of tourists come here to just to see the leaves change color, and it's kind of interesting to see because of our altitude. It's uh, most of October's when the leaves change, right? And the at the very top of the mountains they start to change, and then the next week it's a little bit further down the mountain. The next week's a little bit further down the mountain. And the final week of October, the whole area has just got amazing colors, right? So we decided, you know, my wife and I, my cousin, and we were driving up the Blue Ridge Parkway, just kind of looking around, looking at the, the leaves and what it was, what you know, the big hubbub was about. And we got to this one area where <clears throat> it was, there was a, wasn't a lot of people at it at this point. You know, it was just, it was like maybe two of the car loads of people there. Mm-hmm. And they were just taking pictures and, you know, selfies and shit. And they were driving on. Well, I got out and I had had a cigar all day. It was a sunny afternoon. And I, anyway, I had a, the meat Carita, um, tricky Traga, n- the number four, four, eight, which is the, the small one. Right. And I remember 
looking out over the, and it's actually was my this the picture of me smoking the cigar with the mountains and the valley in the background was like my um profile picture for facebook for until i took the picture of us at the atlanta Braves game my family and i but i remember it was just it was so quiet and it was just such a beautiful scenery and i remember i lit that cigar up and basically i just sat down i actually you're not really supposed to do this but i kind of went down a little bit on the side of the mountain and found this nice little quiet spot and kind of just hung out there. Uh, my wife was actually on the phone with someone, someone having to work. So she was on the phone. So they weren't really, and my cousin was doing something else too. And, and I just went out there by myself with that, with that cigar and lit it up and just sat there in the quiet cell phone left in the truck. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't even want to have that disturbing me. Or you'd be distracted. It just it was just me, the cigar, the absolutely stunning, beautiful scenery, and it was just perfect. It was just so perfect. Nice. I mean, the cigar tasted. I mean, that cigar to me is the to me is the best tricky traca size there is. Is that that small four four eight by far? It's one of my favorites out of the whole Dumbarton tobacco lineup. So, but it's something about that time that cigar tasted even better than I than I previously had, had it before. It's just something about it. That moment in time was just perfect. Very nice. That was my moment. That's sweet. Had a few uh, actually. I've had a couple recently, which is nice. Um, you know, usually they happen at night. I happen to have a, a cigar. Um, the other day uh during the day and uh it was just really nice i sat on my back porch um was just taking a break and uh lit up a um I, ironically uh lit up a uh a pastania habano um and uh that uh, i recently got from a cigar hustler and uh and um i just kind of just sat there and just just really kind of let just enjoy the cigar and and just taking in like you know it was a it was a warmer day too it was like you know and perfect too by a lot of stretches it was like 75 and everything but it was been warmer than it has been in a long time during the day and the wind wasn't blowing so there wasn't like pollen going beating my brains out or anything like that uh and it was just really cool to just kind of sit there and and uh just kind of reflect on a lot of stuff and and it was a really nice moment too so it's 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 always good i mean cigars are are a great are a great community exercise and everything they're fantastic but man when every once in a while we get those moments where you know we're not working not doing anything you just light up a cigar and enjoy the moment for what it is you know good stuff yeah i mean like you know we we, we spoke cigars it's usually it's a social thing right like i work from home so I don't have a lot of interaction with other people. So I love going to cigar shops for the social aspect and having cigars too. Mm-hmm. But some of my favorite moments with cigars has been just being by myself in a very peaceful moment. You know, it's, it's just, it's so, you know, I like the social aspect, but it's a, some of those times, those moments is just perfect when it's just you by yourself and it's just a really peaceful time. And you can just enjoy the cigar, and it's just like perfect, you know. Nice. Do we want to do one more segment, Ben, and then uh, or uh, yeah, okay. 
Well, then we we'll, have time for that. Yeah, and then we'll wrap up and then we'll do our final curveball segment to conclude the show after we give our thoughts and scores. So uh, this is a, a, a what I call more of a rapid fire segment and everything. This is our this or that segment. So basically, it's pretty easy. I give you a choice of two things and you tell me which one. And so um wanted to go. This is a mix of stuff. There's some cigar stuff labeled in here, but there's also some non-cigar stuff. So uh, would you rather have uh, would you rather have a new phone or a new laptop? Laptop. I mean, well, the reason I say this because I do a lot, you know, with our video editing I do on this laptop I'm using here now. And I, I, you know, I use it for everything. And I love my phone. My phone's always with me, but sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Like, I <laughs> wish I didn't have it. Like, some of the, my favorite times is like, where, my, you know, my wife and I'll go do something and I'll, I forgot my phone at home. And I'm like, I don't even care. I don't think I care that I left my phone at home. I, you know, because to me, it's more of a disruption or a distraction most of the time than it is something useful. But, it is kind of amazing that we have so much knowledge at our fingertips now. I mean, everything is right on the phone. I mean, basically, we're using our phones are more powerful than all the computers they use at NASA when we land on the moon. Yeah. By far, you know. Crazy. It's crazy to think about. And the reason that we were late tonight is because my laptop was acting up tonight. So... <laughs> It's it's time for me to overhaul this thing. Which begs the next question. Would you rather have a laptop or a desktop computer? All things being equal. Laptop. Desktop says their time's over. Dream car or a dream motorcycle? Ooh, that's tough. I've 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 been a motorcycle rider for driver for a long time. I I love my motorcycles. Um, cause it's, it's, it is just a, uh, it's like a, it's a freeing thing to go ride on that motorcycle down some of the small country roads and stuff. It's just, it's an amazing feeling really is. Um, but that being said, I've been nicknamed the grim reaper of motorcycles because since I've sold my last one, I've kind of thought about, you know, kind of maybe I'll buy a new one. One of the ones I, I'm not a Harley guy at all. I don't care for that. Um, Mostly what I've what I've always ridden, you know, maybe like you know, crotch rockets, right? Like you know, you know, the Suzuki Jigsters, or you know, like the you know Honda CBRs, uh, or Kawasaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it's something like that. You know, uh, the Prillas. I've always wanted uh, forever. The Ducati 992 was like a dream motorcycle of mine. Um, almost bought one, but then I realized I have, would have to go from Biloxi, Mississippi, to Atlanta to get it serviced now there's a there's a dealership there but at the time there was i, I didn't want to go to atlanta all the time so i just never ended up buying it but one i've always it was a, it was an old motorcycle it was, it was a big in its heyday it was called the norton commando really famous one the probably the second famous british motorcycle behind the vincent black black shadow um and the, anyway they re-released it the uh, company um bought norton and is now they're coming they re-release Norton Commando. So every time I think, I start talking about, you know, I want to get another motorcycle. This happens every time. Either a friend wrecks their motorcycle or I come across somebody that just had a wreck on a motorcycle or 
my wife is she was a, a OR nurse. Would have somebody come in the OR that had a massive trauma because they're on a motorcycle. Crazy. Every single time I bring up about thinking, you know, I think I want to get a motorcycle again. Every time. So that going on with this question, I would probably go dream car. That's probably what I'll go with. So what is the Just dream because car? Because I don't want nobody to die. see the, here's the thing. I'm not so much a, um, like hyper car. Like I, like, to me, like I love Ferraris, but like to me, a Ferrari or a Bugatti Veyron or a Pagani Vira or something like that, those high end supercars or they call hyper cars. Now it's, those are awesome. I love, they look beautiful, but to me, it's like, we can't drive that shit around here. You can't really use it. I, I want something that's ultra luxury, right? So, going off that, the Bugatti, the Bugatti Veyron is kind of both, right? It's it's super fast, but it's also a luxury car. So I would say either that or a Mercedes Maybach, one of those two. Nice, good stuff. All right, bar of soap or shower gel? Hmm. I go back and forth on both of those, but right now I'm using a bar of soap. That's what I started using. I actually started Dr. using Squatch or something else. Dr. Squatch. That's yeah. what I, I I just bought some because I've heard people telling me, man, this stuff's freaking awesome. Yeah. I've been using it for so, the last couple of years. I freaking love it. And well, you know, of course, you know, the first one I had to buy pine tar, big baseball fans, pine, pine tar. tar. And yeah. it's awesome. So, so I just so bought, good. I bought pine tar, alpine sage, um, one it was it was uh, called Cedar Citrus because mm-hmm. I bought a three pack on Amazon, and then I saw one that was uh, uh, Bourbon Wooden Barrel mm-hmm. was the, the newest one they came out with. And so that that one actually arrived today, and dude, it's it's freaking awesome, dude. It, you, I get such a clean feeling when I use it. It smells fantastic, and I like the, exfoli- the exfoliation that's built into those bars too. It's really cool. Yeah, I the, love the, them. I love that bar. The pine tar is freaking awesome. I love it, man. That that shit that yeah. If you have dry skin, you won't after after a couple of washes with that thing. That the grit in that bar is so freaking freaking insane. It's freaking insane. It's nuts. Yeah, okay. I like theirs. I like the Duke Cannon stuff too. The Duke Cannon is really good. I started used to actually went back to bar because the Duke Cannon because I like their products. And of course, they're all military themed. And they donate back to military charities. So, of course, I was buying a lot of Duquesne stuff. But when I came across the Dr. Squatch, I was like, this stuff is really freaking awesome, man. I like those. It's really good stuff. It's all, all the shit you see, the ads and stuff. It's all, it's legit. Because yeah. I, I can vouch for what they say. It's true. Nice. All those ads. A couple more random ones. Apologize first or have someone apologize to you. Mm-hmm. I I don't mind apologizing first. I'll be the first one to tell you, hey, I fucked up. Not a problem. I have no problems apologizing about anything. So that would be that one mine. All right. We're going to get into food. This is sacred territory. We were talking about this earlier. This is all stuff you're very familiar with. Would you rather have gumbo or jambalaya? Gumbo. I like gumbo better. Why? Um, 
probably because when I think of gumbo, I think of my grandmother, which we, we called her mama. That's a Southern thing. Um, I just remember, you know, it's just really special times in her kitchen and it, dealing around her making gumbo and the family getting together and eating gumbo. So to me, and you know, that's, that's what I think of when I think of gumbo, seafood, Creole gumbo, not Cajun gumbo, but Creole. It's my favorite by far. Shrimp or crawfish? Shrimp all day. I love crawfish, but yeah, it's a shrimp all day for me. Just more meat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more meat. And the big joke with all of us is like you get tired of eating crawfish before you get full of eating crawfish, you know? Mm-hmm. But also to me, like I just like so on the Gulf Coast, like we have mainly three different kinds of shrimp. Like we got brown shrimp, white shrimp, and what we call royal reds. Um brown shrimp are usually like shallow water shrimp, uh very plentiful, they're everywhere. Um, white shrimp are a little bit, they're past our bear islands and they're, you know, they're, they're white colored shrimp. Um, and they're a little bit more delicate flavored. Um, but the, my favorite one are called Royal reds and we don't, you don't eat them. Like you, we don't use those for like, you know, shrimp Creole or etouffee or jambalaya or put up in gumbo. Because Royal Reds are freaking massive. They're huge shrimp. And they're really, really deep water shrimp. They're they're cold water. And they have a flavor reminiscent of of like lobster. So Oh, nice. Yeah, so usually what we'll do is we'll steam them and just dip them in butter and eat them like you would lobster. And they're absolutely fantastic. And to me, crawfish has even... When you buy live crawfish before like you boil them, you mm-hmm. you you, pur- you do a purge and there's people do purges all kinds of different ways but basically what you're really trying to do is they're called bud bugs for a reason they live in the mud mm-hmm. so they have a dirty they're always filthy, oh, they're filthy yeah. so yeah so you purge them you constantly change the water a lot right and get they kind of gets get rid of all the dirt and bacteria and stuff and you kind of make them move around and this is going to sound disgusting but basically they poop and you, you get rid of you get rid of all that stuff too when you do a purge and when the water is finally clean then it's when you put them in the pot and boil them right but no matter what you do crawfish has a very unique flavor and it always will have kind of a slightly earthy flavor now i love crawfish i love them but if i had to choose between shrimp or crawfish it's shrimp all damn day always all right, last two questions are about cigars. I know how partial you are to these. So, Lonsdale or Corona Gorda? Man, that's my two favorite sizes. <laughs> I know. Um, I asked, I the, I asked Cor- the tough questions on the show, man. Corona Gorda. Um, that's my favorite size of all time. I will always take a Corona Gorda over everything else. It's, nice. To me, it's the perfect ring age, the perfect length. I love it. That's so Corona Gordo. All right. U.S. Connecticut Broadleaf or Mexican San Andres? Oh. As a wrapper, by the way, not as a tobacco itself. Man, that's that's a tough call, man. 
I could probably change my answer to that question on on a daily basis, to be honest. Um, I would. Oh man, that is tough. What would I choose? I would. You know what? I would probably go Mexican Senators first. I guess. Um, it just it fits it its flavors kind of fit more what I like nowadays than anything. But that's that's a tough call. It's like one one a, you know, on that yeah. one. All right. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Ben, let's uh, let's uh, wrap up the cigar and then we'll we'll finish the night with our our curveball question. Sounds perfect. All right. Three, two, one. And welcome everyone to the Smoking Syndicate uh, Cigar Review. We are uh, smoking the Tatuaje Avion 13 Tuxla um, from Tatuaje Cigars, blended by Pete Johnson, manufactured at the My Father Cigar Company uh, in uh, a cigar factory in Nicaragua. It's a six and seven eighths uh, by 52 Perfecto box press. Um, and retails, I uh, was corrected earlier, by the way, uh, Ben, uh, Jay Davis, who would definitely know about this because he carried him for so long. The MSRP was actually 1250. So I'll correct myself for the third time on this. MSRP is 1250 on this particular cigar. Um, and it was released uh, June of last year. So these cigars are about a year old because he has not done a second release uh, that we're smoking tonight. And we're wrapping up the cigar with our final third here and giving our final impressions on the final third and then our overall score. So uh, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, on the final third, to me, it's got a little bit more simplistic, but not in a bad way. So what I'm getting a lot of now, like to me, I'm that that cocoa note has gotten stronger on the last third for me. Um, I get earthiness, the leather, the cedar still, um, I, and the the black pepper is coming back a little bit more, but not not a lot. Now, I was expecting it to be a lot more in the final third, but to me, it's not. It and all these flavors are so smooth. The age has done wonders for the cigar, I will say. And I, I liked it when it first came out. I really liked it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's it's even better. It's better now than it was before. That cocoa note that I'm getting now, too, is is a richer, deeper cocoa flavor for me. Um, like I quitted it, or, or not equated it. When I, in the second, third, I said I got like that coffee bitterness that to me, well, first thing that popped on my head was this chocolate-covered espresso beans. I'm not really getting that so much now. It's almost like a really nice high-end piece of chocolate you ate, right? I do get still that little bit of that coffee bitterness, but to me, they've almost separated them from themselves now. You know, they're two distinct flavors now. Um, it's, <clears throat> and the biggest change for me was that the cocoa note has gotten richer and a deeper flavor on the final third than it did in the other other thirds as well. The finish is still like medium short for me. Um, I was still saying medium body and strength with medium full and flavor. That's where I'm at now. What about you? Was there a crescendo of flavor? I wouldn't say it was a crescendo. <laughs> I don't think it's a crescendo flavor. Yeah, no crescendo flavor for me either. The final third, uh, as I'm wrapping up it right now, um, 
this uh, interesting kind of minerality kind of has seeped into it uh, with a little bit of saltiness too, to kind of go along with uh, the dissipating sweetness. Yeah. That's pretty much virtually gone at this point, just enough to kind of balance it out. So where they, uh, the acridness, the city, uh, this the acidity and the hotness by getting towards the end of the cigar isn't too distracting, but it's there. Um, ironically, I've had a couple of construction problems here. I know we've been talking and everything, but um, well, not construction, but burn problems. I've had to relight the cigar in the final third a couple of times, which is a little annoying. Um, I had a relight in the first third too, um, which was crazy. Um, uh, but again, I kind of attribute that to the, to the nature of the fact that we're doing this little, we're doing this live. Um, so I won't necessarily dock too many points off of it, but I think it's something of note. Uh, it has become a little bit more muddled. I talked about this being a worry for me. And as, as I ended the second third, uh, the earthiness has kind of kicked up that salty mineralness and everything, uh, still nice and complex, different flavors, uh, that I had didn't enjoy in the first and second thirds kind of creeping in the nuttiness is still there some peanuts and stuff like that kind of uh, sifting around and everything so um uh but uh but the final third kind of wrapped up a little to me definitely my least favorite third um and uh, the flavors kind of bit game became a little bit muddled not not to the worrisome level that i was worried about it um i've had like i said this is my 11th one i've had a little bit more of that muddled feeling the last third, the few times, but uh, the first and second third definitely carried this cigar for me. Uh, but those were my impressions of the third, uh, the last third. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. The saltiness. Um, it's, it's almost like that the feeling you get in your palate when you eat something with salt on it, like, uh, you know, like a salted chip or something like that, the kind of like the, the salty kind of reaction that your palate has when you eat something with salty. I, I get that. Um, but I did have two, two relights, but I attributed them to me completely because they were during our segments where I was talking and I had to come back to it and it was barely lit. So that's on me. And other than that, I've had no construction problems. I mean, it's burning really, really well. Tons yeah. of smoke, I, a lot of smoke too. I love that. Smell cap. It's good. Draw has been good. Uh, the, the the burn got a little wonky a couple times, but it self-corrected, which was nice. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, how do we do this, Ben? We do uh, final overall thoughts and a score. Well, we did kind of did our overall thoughts. I thought you there. Let's just, or, yeah. We just do the do we do the score? Let's do the score. Um, okay. So, to me, I'm gonna write this a ninety. Um, I really enjoyed the cigar. I, um, I, the flavor the flavor profile of it is really nice I, I love the kind of the intermix of the sweet and savory notes I, I really like the the cocoa the espresso the the cedar even the earthiness you know i i don't mind earthiness i don't like it when it's overbearing but i do i do like the hint of it and this this gave me that too mm -hmm. the the final of it with that kind of that the salty that you mentioned um with kind of mingled well with kind of like the sweet cocoa-ness that I had at the end. Overall, I thought the cigar was really good. It's actually I think it's my favorite it's my favorite Tuxla, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I was kind of teetering between 90 and 91. Um, if, the, if, the, if the final third had a little bit more going on, um, I would it would have definitely been a 91, but I think a 90 is that's what I'm going to score it. What about you? Yeah, I I just put it down. Uh, just finished it up and everything. Um, I think the uh, you know this is like consistent with the last couple of tatawais I've smoked, where the final third is just kind of uh, 
unfortunately brought this overall score down for me. Um, but let's, let's put this in perspective. A lot of people talk about it, how like I'm a little bit hard of a score and stuff like that. So let's just call it what it is. I'm scoring at an 89. I was fluctuated between an 88 and an 89. Um, it was probably going to be a 90 until I got to the last third, or it's probably going to be a high 89, 90 until I got to the last third. The flares just became a little bit too metal for me. Uh, it, the last few puffs also just got a little bit too acrid for me too. And that's, I think that's just by the nature of the cigar. Uh, the reason I smoked the cigar, so and this is my 11th, as I mentioned, the reason I bought a box and, and everything is I really enjoyed it. Um, outside of the cigar that I smoked, uh, I smoked a couple before I bought the box. I, I really enjoy the first and second thirds of the cigar. I, I think it's 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 a really enjoyable smoke. It's really complex, uh, uh, sometimes beautifully so, um, and um, and it has this this wonderful medium to full body that you were talking about, medium to full flavor, um, and uh, the strength level is 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 kind of is is, is more on the I, I would say high mild to medium side. Like you know, it's not an overwhelming cigar to the palate. It doesn't hit you very hard. Um, and it's like the first and second, third really carry this cigar for me. So, uh, for me, uh, it, it's an 89, um, and, uh, uh, but, and I will absolutely smoke it again, uh, until I don't have any more because I, I, I really enjoy the first and second thirds. It's great. It's a great smoking experience. Yeah. What was your, well, out of, out of the three thirds that we had, what was your favorite one? Um, I, I, I really enjoy the first third, um, even though I had a read light and everything, uh, again, I attribute that to my just talking and stuff, but like, I, I really enjoy the first third. I love the way that the cigar starts off out the gate and uh, it just captures your attention. It's so rich, so decadent, the sweetness, which is completely absent in the final third, which is probably why I don't like the last third. Uh, I, th- I think at this point, the next few I'll smoke, I'll just probably ditch it at the first two thirds. Cause I enjoy those. Like I said, but the first, the first third is definitely my favorite. What about you? Um, I was, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the second third because uh, the first third was really good. It was, but it, to me, it's like it's it's like building up. You know, it's like the the rhythm is starting on the song, right? Mm-hmm. And the second third is where it all just came together. And what really did it for me was I really liked that uh, what I, what I was calling the like the espresso bean, the chocolate covered espresso bean it was a it was fantastic. I love that flavor. In, in in any cigar mm-hmm. so when i got to that i was like oh man this is awesome this is perfect so this, to me i like i like the second third more um it was oh it's just because because of that extra note that i got with that it would just seem like all the others other notes that we got in the cigar were real harmonious and it was really really a pleasant to smoke so to me the second third was my favorite one but the first third was banging a two i loved it really loved it nice nice sweet dude so i think we uh got covered that pretty good so if you're watching this on youtube after our live event here please like comment and subscribe and on that note we'll see you next time all right we're done with that all right well let's wrap up the uh ellos boomer takes take 252 we did a live review of the uh, tatuaje avion 13 tuxla uh, which Ben and I just gave the final scores. I gave it an 89 and Ben gave it a 90. Um, both you and I agree on this. It's our favorite Tuxla. Um, I think the T110 is probably my least favorite of the three. Um, this isn't taking into account, by the way, the Loma de Cerdo, which is the, the quote-unquote Porto and Deloitte one, which, is, which was released earlier this year. Um, and uh, I'm talking about the original three, so...
Yeah, so when I the same here when I mentioned I'm talking about the original three as well. Um yeah, I thought I don't they're all three were really good. I to me the Avion's just the pinnacle of of all of them. You know, I probably mm-hmm. because it's just more to me it's more balanced. It's you know has more nuances to it and it's just I just I enjoy I enjoy the the smoking of that one a lot more than I did the the other two, you know, but not saying that those weren't great too, because I thought they were fantastic as well. I, yeah. I was I was so happy because we we actually knew about this coming out way before it came out. We had to keep quiet about it. Yeah, and I was so looking forward to when these finally hit the shelf because I wanted to try these so bad. I want to see what Pete could do with this tobacco. It was he, it was it worked out <laughs> definitely. I would say that it worked out well. Yeah, Coop broke the story on it uh, last year. We worked we worked with Pete on it. It was really great um, uh, when he released it and everything. Um, I just for point of reference, I bought two five packs of T110. Uh, I bought a five pack of T110 and a five pack of, of the seventh. Um, so obviously, I like the cigar. Just I pref- I bought a box of the Avion because I thought it was I thought it was better. I thought it was superior. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it, I'm really excited I, to see what he does with this rapper. Cause I think he's given, uh, every kind of intention to show that he's actually going to play with this rapper some more. And I'm interested to see if maybe he does like a cohete maybe, or, you know, maybe he does something else with, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do with it. I'm, I'm excited, but it sounds like, it sounds like he's going to be uh, playing a little bit more with it. So that'll I'll be exciting to see what he, to where he takes it next. So I'm in, I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, same. I I would love to see this in a cohete. That would be freaking awesome. And I think it would be really good in that size too. Um. So uh, that brings us to our curveball segment of the night and fight question, which our curveball segment is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter because since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Yes, sir. Eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sokka. So, Ben, what is a this was my curveball segment because uh, I, I brought this question up because the Tuxla, specifically the series, is the same wrapper on different blends, right? The Avion is... <laughs> the same avion blend but it's got the tuxel wrapper seventh etc right um so my question here is what's a cigar recently that you've smoked where if you you maybe you enjoyed maybe you didn't but you really thought it could have benefited from a different wrapper um or you know different binder something like that so That's a that's a tough one. I don't think of what I like specifically using like the Mexican seven days wrapper. No, just anything. Like you smoked a cigar, you're like, man, this this cigar is good, but it would have been better if it had had different wrapper, or it would it would have had better if if this this component was different of it. Hmm, that's a tough call. I think of what I would. Hmm. You know, one <clears throat> thinking about this too, I would like to try. This is going to be sacrilegious. <laughs> I would like to see this wrapper 
on something like an Opus X. Interesting. Yeah, it would be so far outside what that car is. Oh wow, yeah. And that is sacrilege for you, man. Opus X is your that's your that's your cigar, man. That's your baby. I know, but I, I but I always think too. Like, I wonder what it'd be like if it had would did it with this or did it with that. You know, I just thought that would be really cool pairing to stick something like the Mexican sending today's with on an Opus X or something. You know, something that uses a slightly milder wrapper, like you know, Ecuadorian Connecticut, you know, or the Cameroon, whatever. It would be. I think it would be kind of interesting. You know, maybe not even a wrapper, but using it as a binder, you know, would be kind of interesting, I think. And the reason I started thinking about that is because we, we we talked about, you know, we did the the um the aura and the flint null, how you know, I was talking we were talked about this too, but I was talking about it in my local shop, BB Tobacconist in Nashville, the guy that owns it, Charlie. We were talking about how Lately, a lot of cigars have been coming out, or not a lot, but a few cigars have been coming out using, you know, a Connecticut wrapper with like a, a broadleaf, you know, Connecticut broadleaf binder. And how we love that flavor profile, you know. So I always thought it'd be kind of cool to take like something like an Opus X and swap it out and see what it'd be like. Like, but not even necessarily the, the wrapper, but maybe the binder, making the bi- binder you know like i think connecticut raleigh might be too much but a mexican san Andres would be really good i thought that would be uh, that good i don't know i would say good it would just be interesting to see what that would be like on that cigar what about you yeah i thought about this question as i was writing it down and there's there's a few times where i like smoke a cigar and i'm just like man it would really i think it'd be cooler if this has happened and I, I thought about this and it, it's kind of, it's interesting how you kind of, we, we kind of talk about sacrilege. My, my, my Sunday morning cigar for over a decade now has been the Herrera Esteli Habano. And I smoke that every Sunday morning. Love that cigar. Absolutely love it. But I got to thinking about this and, uh, and I, you and I, we've, we, we were talking about Drew Estate I don't know, a while ago, and we were talking about the difference between like Liga Pravada number nine and T52 and stuff. I like both. There's like a war in the cigar community too, like if, especially among Drew, Drew, Drew Estate super fans that like debate that rapper, those two rappers like over and over again. Um, I would love to see the T52 uh, stock cut Connecticut Habano on, on Willie's blend, the Herrera Esteli Habano. I'd love to see that cigar. And I would, that would be I, pretty cool. I mean, I I love the Herrera Esteli line. I mean, the Habano line specifically is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I've actually kind of toyed around with that a little bit when I was at Drew Estate. Um, not with Willie's line, but so when you go to, uh, to a cigar safari, anybody that when they start, I, I understanding they're going to start doing those again. Mm-hmm. But when you go down, I, I would suggest any any cigar fan to sign up for one of these cigar safari trips because one of the cool things you do there is you get to blend uh, you get to blend a cigar they'll give you this sheet where you can they'll have all their wrappers all it's their menu, binders, yes. all their fillers uh, yeah it's a menu it's a tobacco menu and basically you can go you can actually taste the tobaccos they'll make those little those little fumas <laughs> to where you can smoke the just that one 
varietal and know exactly what you're getting out of it. And then you could go in there and say, I want to use this, this, and this. Well, the first, the first three times I did this, my goal was to take a number nine and a T52 and put them together. So I've tried the combination of using the T52 wrapper and the wrapper from the number nine as the binder. And then I flipped them the next year. And I will say that my first two attempts at it were utterly disgusting. Like when the <laughs> first one I did was completely unsmokable because at the end, what they do is once you do that, they'll, they'll make the cigar and you can actually tell them what Vitola you want. So I would always do, um, I would like, what's the time what I would do is I would do a pigtail cap. Cause I just think that's cool looking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I, w- I would either do, I would do a closed foot or a slightly shaggy foot, like just a little bit, just a little bit mm-hmm. hanging out. And the first one it, it, usually we'll do is when we get it the, the last night, they'll bring us out our, our bundles and our sheet and stuff. And we'll all share them and stuff. I remember when I smoked my first with that first batch, I was like, no, sorry, guys. I'm not sharing these because they're fucking disgusting. You, I don't, I don't even want you to even be tainted by this cigar. I and on the third attempt, I, I did pretty good, but I cheated. Uh, <laughs> when I was making it all up, because you actually have to say, like, if you want this filler, you got to say how much you want a whole leaf. A half a leaf, a quarter, whatever you you gotta you gotta say that right, right. So I'm sitting there working on this, and I and the T52 to me is my favorite. I love the T52. I I've smoked so many of those; it's ridiculous. Um, but I do enjoy the, the Liga Provider Number Nine. So the, what I did on the my last one was I I went back and I used a T52 wrapper, stock cut Habana wrapper, and then and the Number Nine as the binder, but the filler. Uh, Willie Herrera was there with us helping us do this and I'd be like hey Willie what about this one he's like yeah one leaf or half half leaf okay I do it <laughs> so he, he helped me with my filler nice. and that one actually turned out really good it wasn't great like I would I would not like <laughs> put this out for sale or nothing but it was it was pretty good, man. It was it was pretty good. But my but you know you talking about that reminded me of that too because I because that I love those cigars. I always this this was this was also right as Undercrown kind of was coming out. At, right. So the first two times I tried it, the Undercrown never existed. So kind of what I was trying to do was get get to something like that, try to bring those two together and see what it'd be like. Right. And. It was interesting because, uh, I mean, we're like, we're talking about it. I thought, what would it be like if you did this combination? And it's really cool, you know, that they allow you to do that on the trip. And we, we do, as a matter of fact, when you go on the trip, you go to, you'll go to Hoya de Nicaragua and you'll do the same thing there, but it's a little bit more, it's not, it's not, you don't have so many options. So it's, it's hard to screw, you, you, you know, you, it's hard to screw that one up, to be honest. Gotcha, um, gotcha. So my cigars from Hoya de Nicaragua have always been pretty good. Um, but yeah, the last one I cheated and I, I got it. I did pretty good on that. <laughs> it was pretty good. And putting those together, you know, with the right, with the right fillers, it, it was really flavorful. You got, you almost got the little bit of the best of both worlds, kind of like that Jack of all trades kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it was pretty good. 
but it wasn't like, oh my God, like if you, when you got those cigars separately, but bringing some of those flavors together was really cool. It was nice. really interesting experiment. I don't, I have the menu somewhere. Uh, Mike Peacock gave me his very last cigar from his first cigar safari that he did. And I thought that was, he did an incredible job. And I was like, man, we need to like private label this shit. Like it's really good. Um, at the time. And then there was another gentleman that was a patron of ours for years. And, uh, and I haven't seen him unfortunately since COVID and everything, but Jason Ansley was a, just, I love, I love that gentleman. What a fine gentleman he is. And he went on scarf safari too. He gave me one of his and he's like, dude, it's, I'm going to tell you right now. It's it, dude. He puts this crazy ass combination of tobaccos in there. I mean, that cigar was packed full of tobacco and it was all over the place, man. We're talking about a huge roller coaster ride of just flavor, all, and it was all over the map uh, because of how much tobacco and the different types of tobacco that he used and stuff. It was crazy. It was absolutely insane. I'm not sure I would recommend it. Uh, it's definitely not for the team of heart, uh, but it was it was it was a fun experience, and that, and that's something like as they open those back up, guys. I mean, what a great opportunity. Um, you know, to, to go down and, and to basically create your own cigar. It's, 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 it's a, it's a cigar nerd's dream. It really is. Yeah. We've, we've lucky, been lucky enough to where we, you know, we've been able to go to some of the different factories from other companies <clears throat> and a lot of them will do something similar to that too. Another one I thought of too, was we, the first time I went down to general cigar was in 2010, at the Dominican factory. We had to kind of do the same thing there. But we all really could only we could only pick the binder and filler. So I remember when we were trying to make this make this cigar up, we weren't told to the end, or if they did, I didn't hear it, and several other people didn't hear it. But we ended up, I blended like a pretty like a decently strong cigar. At the end, I found out we're going to use the wrapper for the Macanudo Gold. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> that's such a delicate light wrapper, and I made nice. this like kind of powerhouse. And, you know, matter of fact, Skip Martin from Romacraft, this is pre-Romacraft, was on that trip with me. And he's making his blend up. I don't know, he's, he's, <laughs> we're working with, with, uh, you know, the, the rollers, you know, the, uh, and stuff. And he's, he, I remember he's sitting behind me and all I kept hearing was, Mucho Lajero, Mucho Lajero. He wanted all, the whole filler to be nothing but Lajero. <laughs> I remember thinking, then the whole guy's like, no, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. And he's like, no, 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 mucho layer. He's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but I just right. remembered that was so hilarious. And then we get, we got to use the Macanudo wrapper on it. It was like. It and was that so was when Manbacco was born. Manbacco was born. That's right. It's when it was, it was, it was a fun trip, but. Nice. I would say, you know, people that want to do something like that, I would wholeheartedly recommend it for you. You get so much education on those trips. <laughs> From yeah. everything from how it's rolled, QA part of it, even down to how the how the plants are grown and harvested in the field, and, and every every company does it totally different. So it's very interesting to people that are watching this. If you get a chance to go on any trip from any of these companies, I would suggest you do it. If you really want some good knowledge, that's where you want to go. You got to be. You have to be down there. In, in the fields, in the factories, and you'll you'll see how much of a true piece of art these cigars are that we enjoy on a daily basis, and how much care and love go into making these cigars. It's it's, it's crazy. It's amazing stuff. Definitely. 
Well, thanks everybody for hanging out late with us. We got a final uh, thrust of fans that kind of joined us late, Ben. It was really cool to kind of uh, have them join us on the final third of that cigar and our final ratings of it and everything. Uh, this was a great exercise. Really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I know you had a very long day uh, slinging some uh, slinging some voodoo roux at the brewery and then uh, to come back home uh, on a late Sunday night and uh, still do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem, man. This is always fun. You know, always be here for you. Absolutely. So again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, guys, uh, I really do appreciate our audience. We're going to take a couple week break. Uh, I'll be out of the country, uh, but we'll be back uh, for our annual Father's Day tradition. Tom Lazuka, Asylum Cigars, will be back uh, as my co-host, co-guests. We are bringing back uh, our other co-host, co-guest uh, from last year. So it'll be a fun little exercise to have Oliver Novo of United Cigars back. So we'll be smoking some Asylum, some United. Uh, that'll be part of our United 20 Days of Freedom, 20 Days of United segment that I was talking to, uh, talking about in our uh, presidential trivia segment. So um, it'll be a lot of fun on Father's Day to celebrate with those two gentlemen, those two fathers. Uh, I, I celebrate Father's Day every year, uh, like the past few years with Tom, and uh, we've had a, a, a couple good guests uh, along with him, and it's just been a lot of fun. So we're bringing uh, Oliver back um, this year as well, so it'll be good, uh, good time. So check us out on Father's Day. We'll have Tom and Oliver uh, smoking some great cigars and celebrating Father's Day. Uh, so everyone, I hope everyone has a great next couple of weeks. Uh, have a wonderful Memorial Day tomorrow, everybody. Remember those people that were close to you. Remember those people uh, that um, were not close to you, family, friends um, that uh, that are no longer with us and everything. And uh, as we celebrate uh, their great memories tomorrow. So while you're grilling out, swimming in the pool, uh, remember, uh, remember those great memories of those great people in your lives. Uh, that are no longer with us to enjoy their moments here, but we'll all live on in our memories up here and in here. Uh, for those listening, I was pointing to my head and my heart. So uh, Ben Lee of the Smoking Syndicate and Cigar Coop Coalition uh, co-member as well as myself uh, were our guests, uh, were our was the part of the show tonight. You were my guest tonight, Ben. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, for everyone out there, we keep those likes, shares, and coming. Check out our YouTube channel, Elos Fumar. Hit the subscribe button. If you are listening later on podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Part of Bean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, including iHeartRadio, be, be, be sure you hit the download, subscribe, and review button. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that helps my numbers so that I can get great guests like Ben whenever I want. That's really the only reason he comes on is because my numbers are good, and that's because of you guys. So uh, so for everyone out there, uh, this was our 252nd take uh, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's Ben Lee, live from the Tatuaje Studios of Black Mountain, North Carolina. Guess what, everybody? See you next time. See ya. Thanks. Thanks.